Many scientists are beginning to believe that a vaccine against AIDS may be impossible to make and too dangerous to test. If you take it and then a year goes by and everybody's fine, then you say, okay, that's good. Now let's give it to uh, 500 people. And then a year goes by and everything's fine. You say, well, then now let's give it to thousands of people. And then you find out that it takes 12 years for all hell to break loose. And then what have you done? And the FDA failed in this, and they, they allowed them not to submit the numbers for the absolute risk reduction, the ARR. So it literally takes 120 people to get two shots to decrease symptoms in one, one patient. And so of those 120, how many people are going to end up with autoimmune disease two to three years down the road? How many are going to end up with cancer two to three years down the road, or four or five years? We don't know. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already, and this is very, very concerning. We're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T cells that you want in your body. It's almost a, re a reverse HIV. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, July 24th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Got three major main topics we're going to talk about today. You saw that clip there we opened with. We played Ryan Cole saying that clip as well as a lot of other things on that great Idaho Health uh, interview that he did but how he's talking about the increase in every other problem, essentially. Not every other problem that he's saying, but what they're finding is an increase in just other issues dealing with the immune system, other issues of, of your body being able to fight off any number of other problems. What we're seeing is it appears as if the injection increases just about everything else that you could possibly have that may have already been there, may have had precursors for, or maybe you just randomly came across it in life. But that's what we're seeing. Now, it's interesting, as I saw that clip of Fauci, recently like today on 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 twitter somebody shared this of him saying similar things about oh well the problem is that once you get that far down the line and you didn't so see it there now when people step up and say well, what about the long-term things what about the fact that we don't know long-term effects the long-term safety which is what their document still says now conspiracy theory isn't it's really embarrassing for them you you know to compare the logic of things they applied previously, which still stand which they would point at now but when you compare it with current covid logic which is you know logic and the people they're calling conspiracy theorists, they begin to look really you know, even more ridiculous. But the three major things we're going to discuss today, I'm going to start off with a very quick mass discussion, only for one main point of the recent study I didn't go over last time. I am, I am including the things that I didn't get to yesterday or the day before yesterday. And, and unfortunately, I apologize for those that didn't hear me. I posted on my communities yesterday that I got about 20 minutes of sleep yesterday. I wasn't able to do the show that I was planning on doing, but that's going to be coming across over today. But masks we're going to touch on as it leads into a specific point about what these Japanese studies are finding that the, the mask can co collect one small part of why they increase your risk of infection. But we're going to talk about one of the main things it found. And then interestingly see an overlap there with what people are seeing, but with the injection being a possible cause of why it gets much, much worse, but an overlap of something that goes into the monkeypox conversation and then talk about 
a lot of the stuff, by the way, we've already covered. And this is one of the detriments, I guess, of being this far ahead of a story is that it gets missed by a lot of people. And of course, alongside all the censorship and suppression, so new people don't see our content, regardless of how spot on it may be months before we get here. Not to pat myself on the back, sorry, pull my shoulder out there. But the point is here that we're going to talk about all the stuff we already got into, the, the injections and the treatments they're already promoting and how dangerous they are and how completely un, unverified, uncon, unconfirmed, effective and safe and all these different conversations and how it's being pushed in now for something that's not even affecting, I mean, an emergency Obviously, we're going to talk about Tedros and the WHO calling it an emergency of international concern with only three uh, uh, perceived deaths, not the right word, three deaths that have only been confirmed by PCR tests. There could have been any number of things we'll go over today, but even then, three deaths in Africa, no deaths anywhere else we're talking about, in particular the United States. I mean, my God, this is so far over the top, opening up emergency powers. And then don't forget, they just agreed that they're going to be rolling forward with a treaty that they can force on you, a treaty with teeth from the WHO, a never-before-seen issue, where they're now going to say, well, when we deem something an international threat and we decide because of this treaty that you should do this X, Y, and Z, you have to do that now. Or let's say U.S. says they're sick over there in that bad guy country, then they can say, well, you have to do this over there, bad guy country. The U.S. said you were sick. You don't have to prove these things. I've already gone over all this in past shows using their documentation. This is an alarming step, especially with something as un, um, non-emergency-ish situation like monkeypox so far, at the very least. But then, of course, we're also going to talk about some of the interesting things that we're seeing around a brief moment around COVID-19, but then transition that to, to finish into the heat wave, climate change, hype, manipulation. I mean, like I said before, there's obviously a heat wave, but there's a heat wave every single year for that matter. But there's obviously a little bit of an increase this year, but it's the way that it's being so grossly misrepresented and broadly used anywhere, even in places that I can prove to you we're not even over 80, 90 degrees. Except just because the broad consensus is that heat wave everywhere. Oh, well, all these heart attacks are heat waves and heat stroke, heat waves. But it was 75 degrees. Ah, oh, who cares about that? Heat wave everywhere. Now, I'm being hyperbolic, obviously, but I'm trying to make a point about the way that they're doing it as well. I'll go through very specifically and show you these cases of how they're getting caught lying. But at the very least, this heat wave consisted of about two days that's long past. And even in the UK, I'll prove that to you today. And yet they're still hyping this. Fires break out in London. It's 85 degrees in London right now. It's there. Something is obviously amiss. I think, my opinion, come to your own, please, that it's being used as one facet uh, as, along with all the rest of this to cover up what else is actually happening specifically because of the injections and what those dangerous things are causing even by extension, you know, causing the immune system to collapse, which then causes something else and so on and so on. But let's start today with uh, just, oh, first of all, here's that clip. Uh, and I, this was shared from Wit Jinstein, who's always sharing some great clips. Fauci speaking on unexpected long-term side effects after taking vaccines in relation to the dangers of a potential AIDS vaccine in 1999. Odd and telling how this logic is absent as they push the current injections that, in fact, have no long-term safety data. Now, for those that might be you know, surveying this because they're worried it might be fake news, I'll just make sure we clarify that statement. Every time I say this, I remember the number and then I forget it. Oh, that was... Not correct. Almost there. Help me remember. 80 something. Here we go. Just so we're clear on this, the most recent document from Comirnaty Pfizer data 
February 2022 is the last time we updated this data, and it's still the same now. You know, let's not pretend that a couple more months is long term. It's very clearly stated that they do not have long term data for safety. Oh, maybe I didn't get the right spot. Now I have to find it. Definitely past 100. Son of a gun. See, this is why I laugh at myself every time for not remembering what page it was on, even though I say that literally every time. It's right around here somewhere. Probably, yeah, I mean, we should be proud that I even remember these in general with how much stuff we go over. Here we go. What a mad if I couldn't find it. Right here. Now, missing information, long-term safety data. This is what they put out in their reports where they point out things they may not have in full. 109, 106. Orwell, you almost had it. The long-term safety of COVID-19 mRNA vaccine is unknown at present. So the point being, long-winded as I find this thing again, is the reality that they know they they do not have the long-term data. So here's Fauci making a sound argument. (laughs) Who knows why he did it then? Maybe he wasn't corrupt then. Maybe he was and there was a reason to lie about that or tell the truth. I mean, I'm just half joking. But the point here, guys, is that this is the same. This is logic. You know, that things do happen like that, and especially that we can see it. And he's, tell, he's talking about what they know, that you do see these things, specifically with these injections. The point now is that we don't have long-term safety, and yet you're pushing it on people, and there is current data, not hypothetical. Current data showing exactly what Ryan Cole talked about. I'll play that clip in f- further in more length in a couple segments throughout the show. But how can you that, – that's, again, talk about common sense, people pushing about the mass, even though they're wrong in the beginning. That's common sense. You do not force things, well, let's be clear, on anybody ever, period. That's not their place, and it should not legal anyway. Not human rights, not not bioethics, none of the things they cite. But under their talking points, they still shouldn't be able to force something on somebody that they don't know if it's safe long term. Especially when Fauci's on video saying that this stuff can happen, especially when you don't know the long term. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Oh, that's right. I wanted to do, I, I forgot I wanted to shout this out again, just because as you know, and in pretty much every independent media, by the way, it is pretty much in the same boat right now because of how much is happening. Like you, what I don't know, I don't point this out often, but what our traffic on this website for reasons that are probably multifaceted. I I know the website's very slow right now, and I I every time I reach out to our HostGator server platform, which we have a dedicated server. Every time somebody goes, oh, wow, yeah, there's something wrong here. Let me escalate this for you. And then the escalation team finds nothing and nobody does anything and nothing changes. I'm not the expert. I can't figure it out. But there's clearly something going on with my server. I'm of the mind that it's probably the company trying to find a new place, just like it was last time when we proved that GoDaddy was censoring the podcast and the website. But my point is our traffic is down almost 50%, which dramatically hurts a lot. That this is the, the hub, right? But as well as all the places being just deleted and kicked out and so on. So for those that understand how important it is to keep this going and believe in what we're doing, we put the new portal in here right on the website. So you could do it right on the homepage. The whole thing. Just click right across, donate what you want. You can make it recurring every month. Same thing. And I'm going to be adding crypto to that as well. On top of that, we have the lists up here for actual Bitcoin, Litecoin, so on. Subscribe to our Cash App. And here's the actual donation page if you'd like to do it there. Just a shout out. You know how rarely I do that, but as always, we're in, you know, not as always, but as of late, we're in a tight spot, as a lot of us are. I was just speaking with the three the free thought project, and they're in the same boat. Pretty much everybody I know. It's because they're desperate to stop what we're doing, guys. You know why. I don't need to explain it anymore. Now, starting off with a mask conversation, I want I've, I've been wanting to get to this because I found this to be so interesting. Now, this obviously relates more to what is being found on the mass as I made clear as we started, but I, I just want to make a couple points here on the mass again, before we get into that point and just two or three little tweets I wanted to share. First of all, 
the friendly confines is the name of this guy's account. Now he says, yesterday I attended an in-person meeting of the health department of Oak Park. I know actually in person, it was wild. (laughs) Unbeknownst to me, they required mass at the meeting, which was held at the public library. Now, for, now, by the way, just to be clear, right out of the gate, if, if, if there even if there's a mandate, let's say, that's one thing. You could argue that you should have to wear it if there's a mandate in place. But even then, technically, the point is public library mandates aren't law. You're not technically required to do it. You may still get arrested because the cops don't understand that. My point, though, is that there's even there's currently not even a mandate in this place. So on both angles, there's no reason anybody should have to wear a mask. This, as he's going to point out, this is the health department themselves. The, rather, the representatives making their own political stance and telling people they have to in this public place. It says, I did not comply. One other person also did not comply. They then delayed the meeting 15 minutes before Teresa Chapel came to, there's her information if you'd like to check it out, came to the front and said they were waiting on compliance from us too before they could start. So it's okay, by the way, in her logical mind, to let people sit in this enclosed room with two dangerous people not wearing masks in an enclosed room next to each other in chairs and then wait 15 minutes and delay so they could sit there longer next to the dangerous people. Okay, so explain for me how that's not about, how that's safety as opposed to forced compliance. And just making a point. You see how easy it is to point out the broken logic of these maniacs? If it was really about safety, well, you would have evacuated the room. You would have been like, no, everybody out quickly. These people are dangerous. They're not moving. They're going to get us sick. But no, it's just about making a statement and saying those two people are the bad people. Everybody sit there and glare at them for 15 minutes. I mean, it's just so stupid, right? I mean, a child could see how dumb that is. But going forward. So they waited 15 minutes to wait on their compliance. We defied their requirement and stayed. Good for them. Unmasked at our seats. Lots of discussion, berating, ridicule ensued. Right, because that's what people do today. You're a bad person for doing what you think is right, right? Because that's the truth. They're not doing this to make anybody mad. They are right, in my opinion, because the science backs them up. But you can break it down what he's saying. He's doing this because he believes he doesn't have to and because he believes it's dangerous. He's right. The bottom line is they're berating and attacking them because they have a different opinion. In fact, theirs is backed on the science, but that's just a different point. One library security guard approached him. He was very nice. He said, I was waiting for the meeting to start. He said, okay, (laughs) walked away. (laughs) Several health department members were triggered, angry, irate, and at the idea that they they were there and not complying with the mask requirement. So here's the point. There's no law that says they have to, not even a mandate at this point. So the the security guard walks up, he goes, okay. And they can't stand it because they were hoping just the threat of compliance or forced compliance would scare them away. That's This is a microcosm of the entire situation we're dealing with, guys. And, and, and a, a, an example of the Milgram experiment of showing people that they have the right to stand up. We were now 30 minutes past the start time. So now two 15-minute delays because that's safe, right? Now, I'm not saying because I believe it's unsafe, but because in their minds, the argument is it's unsafe to not have a mask. So to extend that problem for 30 minutes is just stupid if they believe it's unsafe, right? 30 minutes past the start time because they asked us to keep comply or leave. We did neither. Good for them. I maintained they were holding up the meeting, right? Flip the script on them because that is what's happening and continue to urge them to go ahead and start. They wouldn't. Two police officers then entered the room. Now think about how child, it's my ball. I'm going home. I'm going to call the police because you're doing something I don't like. That's ridiculous. These are people in the government. They know they don't have a legal standing here. They were, here's the best part. Two police officers show up. They were unmasked. (laughs) You got to love that. Along with the people, him and the person there. While everyone else was masked. 
they and basically that's what this is a little club meeting of people that all agree that everybody else is a bad person they announced we're neutral here it was brilliant they would not remove them understanding they weren't breaking any laws but simply defying the hat Teresa Crapple Chapels that was that wasn't on purpose Chapels uh, and her health department, basically. Rather, my opinion, if it was the health department, there might be some standing there and the cops that I feel obligated to uphold it. This was their statement of, up of our, like, you have to do this because I say so in the library. That's not a law. It doesn't matter whether a government official says it or not. It has to be a law, has to be a, an agreed upon setting or even a mandate, which I don't agree with would be, you know, standing or a binding, but you can see my point. Now it says, after a few more minutes of being scoffed at and ridiculed, they realized police were not going to remove us. So they were either going to cancel the meeting or start without with us there unmasked. Some people simply left, which by the way, they're stupid now too, for waiting 30 minutes and acting like leaving now is the right move. Either you should have left immediately because it's dangerous or you stay to leave. Then is you stomping your feet because you're upset. They didn't get told what to do. Now it says they just couldn't handle us unmasked people. They couldn't understand how we could have the nerve to defy the rule, the requirement. Frankly, it felt great. They got to see, finally, what real in-person resistance and defiance looks like. I love it. Now, this is sort of a partisan point, and clearly it feels angled at the left and right, but it's a good point, though, right? Because standing up in defiance of the of the popular opinion, or rather, of defiance along with the popular opinion, it, that's not that's not hard to do. It doesn't take courage to stand up and say, wear a mask. Even if you think that's the, it takes courage, even if you're wrong, to stand up in contradiction to the popular opinion, especially if you believe you're right, or rather only when you, if you believe you're correct and you're standing up in defiance of something, even if it turns out you were wrong, that takes courage. We all know that. They like to give themselves pats on the back for doing what they're told and acting like that's the contentious thing. That's the problem today. Everything's social engineering. They finally got to see what in-person resistance and defiance looks like instead of continuing to hide behind a screen behind closed doors because they are still unwilling to meet in person, except for the special meeting, along with uh, VOP News, Village of Park, Village of the Park News, and Oak Park 97. There's other accounts. It's truly embarrassing. Oh, wait, is that? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, it's really embarrassing. Anyway, the police left and, and, and we proceeded to attend and participate in the meeting without further issue unmasked. So all of that stomping childish, childlike, you know, whatever, childish attitudes, nothing. And we continued anyway, right? How that must've felt for them to acknowledge that they were the only problem there and nobody else, because if it was, we're all going to die and a big thing or whatever, that wouldn't, that's not how that would have gone. I just think that's fantastic and good for them for standing up for themselves. Now, here is an interesting video I wanted to play. <clears throat> this is Lori Garrett, who right out of the gate, by the way, has a very different opinion now. <laughs> God knows why. You'll see my point about how dumb this is. But this is what happens when you get pressured in your circles, right? You're in your peer circles of, of the mainstream. This is back when they, that, that she, this was clearly what she thought, and she's right. The science hasn't changed, but speaking to the National Academy of Medicine in 2018, requiring face masks. Now, on top of that, guys, understand that no science, child, like there wasn't some big change in understanding between 2018 and 2019, 2019, 2020. In fact, in 2020 was when the CDC did their big meta analysis and literally found that there was no statistically significant difference. The only change is when they suddenly altered that mid-COVID-19 and thou common sense, you guys are dumb. And now we're finally pulling this back a little bit. But listen to what she says here. Now, realize 
that she's already changed her opinion. Like this just shows you that there are things you're allowed to say at certain times before there's an agenda surrounding them, right? The kind of point I made the other day about, uh, you know, during the Iraq war and being able to not being able to talk about foreign policy or how the U.S. government was murdering people around the world. Now look at how what a popular discussion that is today because we're not focused on foreign policy, right? They're protecting the narrative of what they're really focused on. That's the important part. Not that I'm supporting this person whatsoever. Only a couple of countries that have ever really done large-scale studies to try and figure out what might work. Japan, it may not surprise you, is one of them. And they, in one of their large studies, they basically showed that the masks, the, it seemed like the major efficacy of a mask is that it causes alarm in the other person. <laughs> and so you stay away from each other. And what she means by that, psychologically, right? And that's actually one of the stated reasons that the UK and the US to a smaller degree, got caught multiple times acknowledging that. That it was more so about keeping you in the mindset that you should be afraid, and that's even if you believe it's because they thought that you really should be afraid. You're still using manipulative tactics to scare someone into a position that they might not agree with. That's just ridiculous, and that's exactly what we always point out about them. And by the way, most times that I find that I dig into this stuff, it's not because they believe it, it's because there's an agenda behind it. But just recognize what she's saying, that the most primary part of efficacy is just scaring other people. And that's what I think happened with SARS. When I was in the SARS epidemic, I saw everywhere all over Asia, people started wearing these masks. And it is alarming when you walk down a street and everybody coming towards you has a mask on. You definitely do social distancing. You definitely, it's just a, a gut thing. But did Right, because we've been propagandized to think that there's danger there. Right. And what's even funnier about that is there really is, to be quite honest, but it's not because of anything other than the mask and what you're doing to yourself. You create an, an error of illness that is, in fact, bacterial pneumonia is, in fact, contagious. Right. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Did the mask really help them? Did the mask keep the virus? You definitely do social distancing. You definitely, it's just a, a gut thing. But did the mask really help them? Did the mask keep the virus out? Almost certainly not. If they, the mask keep the virus out, almost certainly not. But did the mask really help them? Did the mask keep the virus out? Almost certainly not. If, they, if the virus was in their, around their face, the mask would not have made the difference. Oh, well, isn't that interesting? Now, let's pretend that the world flipped on its ear in, in 2020 and everything changed, right? Because here she is wearing her mask, right? Like, that is really embarrassing. Like, you should be embarrassed with yourself because you bowed to peer pressure as opposed to standing by your principles. Because the fact is the science is undeniable. And that's the incredible part of what we're going to go through here is how ridiculous it is that they're saying the opposite of that. In fact, I'm going to show you a clip of, I forget his name all of a sudden, uh, Jaw, uh, the, the, the guy, the, I'll, I'll, pull, I'll, show him, uh, I'll just show you real quick. This guy. What's his name again? I'm blanking on his name right now. Uh, basically saying the same thing. Well, the science is pretty clear. Well, it is, in fact. But what you state after that is the opposite of it. I mean, I just can't stop showing the most current peer-reviewed science. No, look, even if, let's say, everything before now was the opposite, which is, let's just pretend that's the case. Every peer-reviewed study that continues to come out is saying the opposite of that. They're saying it's dangerous. It hurts you. It increases your illness. It doesn't stop transmission. I've shown you all of them. So by their logic of the way they argued this in the, mid the beginning of COVID was, well, that's old science. Let's focus on the new things we pump out in 30 seconds. Funny how that was what they said then. 
now that we have the current science saying no, they go look back over there at the one we pointed out a year and a half ago. That's the one. <laughs> it's just, there's nothing consistent about anything they've done this entire time. So this person who's in the White House telling you what to think either doesn't know about any of these peer-reviewed science, both before, during, or after COVID-19 that shows you everything we're talking about, which I'll play that clip again in a minute, or he's lying to you. You know my opinion. I think it's pretty obvious. This, it takes a pretty dense person to not see or even understand that there's new information coming out, especially in their position. So these people are compromised, in my opinion, but I can't know that for sure. But let's play this next part. Here is in Australia. This is right now, by the way, advocating wearing masks again, even though they are proven erm not to work. This is Bernie's tweets. I'm beginning to really appreciate her account. I just love the, the content she puts out. Here is the next video. Now, remember, we just talked about Australia, bring, talk about bringing them back. And I mean, this is in spite of the science, despite the science that we're seeing. Gotcha. I'm, I'm, with her laying on my lap, it's hard for me to see <laughs> what the next video is. Uh, there it is. I see it now. The AHPPC, the, the body of all the state health officers, reports into Professor Kelly, who's the national chief medical officer. And what he says is that there's a agreement on uniform going forward, that it's recommended that people wear masks. You know, it's funny. Don't you love how that framing starts, though? So not I have an opinion, but here's this guy who has in a collective, you know, who's the expert. And what he says is this. So that's what we're going to report. <laughs> Like, this is the mindless repetition of the people in these positions. What does the scientific research say? And then even then, we should ask if that's sound and if there's other scientific research that conflicts with that or if there's reasons to ask what these people's intentions were. These are valid points to make that they've otherwise made not in the middle of the focus on COVID-19. It's just embarrassing. Chief Medical Officer, and what he says, the, the body of all the state health officers reports into Professor Kelly. Who's so, by the way, so only state offices, right, of all those offices, they all report into one main office. And then that guy gives you an opinion. Right. So politics to politics to politics. Where are where's the data? I'll show you the data. You've seen it many times. But this is and this is why people like that guy might actually believe he's doing the right thing, because he's always been taught that the right thing to do is listen to what they tell you because they're the experts. Right. I mean, we keep seeing this. How do you know it's Delta? Because the CDC told us, you dummy. <laughs> yeah, but that means you don't know and you're blind. Yep, exactly. The National Chief Medical Officer. And what he says is that there's a agreement on uniform going forward, that it's recommended that people wear masks. What he says, do you agree with him? I guess we don't get to find out. Uh, when they're indoors and where they can't uh, separate. And uh, that's what We've been out there saying and... and <laughs> right, like you don't even get to, well, what do you think? Well, he said to say this and that's what we've been saying. Cool. I'm, that seems real sound. Advocating very strongly. And uh, that's what... And this is the best part. <laughs> I mean, come on, guys. How dumb is this? Now, remember in the very beginning, there was this weird contradiction where they were like, well, they got vaccinated, so they don't have to wear the mask. Or look at all these politicians who aren't, you know who aren't doing what they were telling us to do. It's like, well, I'm sure that they tested everybody. I'm sure they got masks. Well, those are all assumptions, by the way. So you don't know that for sure. But let's let's assume in the favor of the of your power structure. That's real smart. But that's not the case now, right? They've all been telling people, you got to wear it anyway, like masks indoors. And that's what they're saying in general, vaccination or not. Five people sitting shoulder to shoulder indoors, unable to separate, talking about mask mandates. This is absurd. Think about how dumb that is.
we've been out there saying and, and advocating very strongly. Just contradiction after contradiction. Here's this clip real quick, and I'll just for those that haven't seen it, it's only a minute. I'll play this again real quickly. It's this is I just love this little compilation I made. It's only a minute. I actually have it on loop on the on the on the Rumble account. So before the video and after the video, it tends to play it if it's not ready. But it has all the source links right here. All except one of these. This is an article are peer reviewed. Current. Oh, excuse me, not current. These last two are 2015 and then 2020. The rest are they're all peer reviewed, and these top three or top these three are all current, like recent studies, all of which make it very clear that it's dangerous, that it doesn't stop transmission, that it increases your risk of infection, which is sort of dangerous at the same time, but that these things are dangerous, don't work, and hurt other people. All the way around, this does the opposite of what they're saying. And I believe they know that. That's my opinion, because I believe there's a part of this that adds to the agenda of creating an illusion. But again, that's my opinion based on the data. Despite the science the Fulgen effect. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals. New study, face mask usage correlates with higher death rate, was not able to reduce transmission. Also suggests the universal use of masks may have had a harmful unintended consequence. The carbon dioxide content in inhaled air rises on average to 13,000 parts per million, no matter whether children wear a surgical or a higher level mask. This study, the random controlled trial of cloth masks, moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may increase your risk of infection. Cloth masks should not be recommended. In the pooled analysis of everything, we found no significant reduction in influenza transmission with the use of face masks. There is limited evidence for their effectiveness in preventing influenza virus transmission, either when worn by the infected person for source control or when worn by uninfected persons to reduce exposure. Our systematic review found no significant effect of face masks on transmission of laboratory-confirmed influenza. It's so embarrassing how they've tried so hard to bury that, tw- that, st- that meta-analysis in May 2020 in the middle of this from the CDC that was very clear. And you can even look back in history and see that they always use some central role like that. So in that case, it was influenza-like illness, which is meant to represent un- any respiratory illness that's in that ballpark, which does include COVID-19. They just go, COVID-19 is not flu, you're wrong and dumb. You know, just really quickly push back on that. But we're all seeing that this is the case because new peer-reviewed science has made the same point. But I'm going to, I, I click this one open just to include this one. You've seen me go through it many times. This is one of the most recent peer-reviewed, outrageously sound artic- studies called the, about the Fogan effect. It's been proven in animal models. It's been shown in this case, a mechanism by which face masks contribute to the problem, the fatality rate. And it makes it very clear in this discussion that it's it outweighs anything, you, even if you believe there's a benefit to the injections, it outweighs any kind of benefit that you may get from anything else. This is a danger to you. You are wearing these and increasing your problem. And then on top of all the rest of it, we know that they do increase your risk of infection. And in here, it makes the case for N95s as well. It says that just wearing an N95, in fact, increases the risk. It's essentially what happens is the original discussion about how the mask actually creates the aerosolization. It's increasing everyone's problem. And that's probably by design. This is what that's saying. And wearing an N95, they argue, just increases that problem. It's kind of hard to miss. Well, here here is Biden's stumbling press officer. (laughs) That's how she frames it. I like that. I mean, despite the science. That it's just it, it it's harmful to people. You are literally putting people in danger by re, by claiming that this is something that they should be doing. I think this is the one. No, I, I swear I downloaded that. I know I say this at least once a show. I apologize. 
Huh. I guess not. Let me see how loud it is. Clear. I definitely downloaded this. Son of a gun. Sorry. Excuse my. <laughs> there it is. I think I'll start labeling these things. Here we go. And oh, and by the way, to start, I love this guy's question. So basically, this guy asked this question. I mean, this begins to show you guys, by the way, that I mean, despite the fact that everyone, all the ones in there, all wearing masks, just ridiculous. But he's not wearing a mask. First of all, ask yourself. What's interesting is he clearly knows something because of the way he asked this question. They basically are, you know, I'll, I'll let it play out. I don't want to mis misframe what he says, but basically calling out the point that we some we know deep down that this isn't how it is. We're just framing it this way. So listen to his question. I find it to be very important. President wears a mask. Is well protected, but he still got COVID. It is the time. Sorry, I'm sorry to stop it again. In case you didn't hear that, it starts off in the middle. Basically saying that. Biden got COVID, but he got a mask on. So the, su the suggestion being that he still got it anyway. So the mask is well protected, but he still got COVID. It is the time to really realize that mask may not really be as effective as, you know, we try to make them to be. That they may not be as effective as we try to make them to be. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even, like, I would expect the people around him to react in a certain way, right? Usually that's what you find when you press the, the wrong narrative in this room of controlled minds. They look at you like you're a maniac, right? Not this time. Despite them wearing masks, they just find it interesting that they all, I think, let's say generally know there's something amiss, but these people are trained followers. Just to can think of that. Maybe not him, but who knows? So I think the science on masks is actually quite clear. It is, but not in the way you're about to say it. And there is broad agreement among public health and science experts that masks work. Higher quality masks work better than lower quality masks. He wears every. Let me ask you this, though, guys. So that's that that is what they're pointing out when they say that is not some new study. They're arguing this has always been the case. So explain for me why then when they started this, they've only or they pushed aggressively that everybody only wear cloth masks. The very cloth masks they now acknowledge do not have any positive effect. In fact, hurt people when you look at the random controlled trial of cloth masks. You can show the CDC their entire website was designed around cloth masks. And they've only changed that. So are you literally admitting to us now that you knew that wasn't going to work and told you to wear them anyway? That's a yes, guys. So even, even within this, if you believe what he's saying still, you have to acknowledge that they told you to wear something they knew wouldn't work. So if you, are, if you believe everything, that's a big deal, right? If you believe COVID's dangerous, you believe that they're trying to keep you safe, why doesn't that blow you out of your chair? Oh, now I'll just wear any five because they said so? Stop being a follower. Recognize that they, they knowingly did something that would hurt you, even if you buy everything they're saying. I mean, that's a big deal. Every time the president wears masks, he wears high-quality masks. Um, masks are uh, not a panacea. Uh, and obviously, uh, the president, uh, you know, um, it engages with people um, both indoors and outdoors. Uh, and, and there was never, I think, an understanding on our part that we could keep the president from uh, having zero chance of getting infected. Like he's got very close, very strong protocols around him. But we always knew that this was a possibility. Okay. But, but I mean, think about the, the argument. Like, so this is the most controlled, protected person on the planet in the United States anyway. <clears throat> and we're going to pretend. And ever, I mean, to the to the point to where, and, and this is a fair, whether or not you think people are faking injections, which by the way, that was proven. That was literally an entire corporate media story where it turned out that these high level people around the world were faking their injections, which proved, I, I forget that was somebody involved. 
remind me in the chat who that was again. I think it was somebody involved in a financial group, but I can't remember. But some high-level corporate people, which means at least they thought it wasn't safe. So my point, though, is that even if you don't believe that, even though it's proven, if there's a 0.1% chance, a 0.01% chance that taking that would have killed the president, they wouldn't have given it to him. I mean, that's, I mean this is just, this is, they don't take those chances with these things. But the point, I think, is that it's so controlled that if he gets it, that's a pretty clear example that it's either something that everyone's going to get no matter what, which is exactly what the Bar great Barrington Declaration was saying, and they shouted down back then, which now they're accepting, which is not to say that I agree with all that, or it's not real. I mean, I just don't accept this as that. So, oh, well, everyone's going to get it anyway. Well, that doesn't make much sense, especially since he's got four shots and masks and, and quarantine and everything you tell us we're doing. It's just, it's ridiculous. This does not add up. I think this is more about presenting a certain situation. But the, the bottom line is he's arguing that masks are effective. And all the science is clear. How can that still be the case? And I'm going to get into this with the heat wave discussion with monkeypox. It's because we live in a situation where people actively disregard things because they're told to. I don't believe it's the majority, but it's a lot of people in 330 million people in this country, right? 1% is a lot. But just recognize that's happening everywhere. Like, what was I thinking about earlier? There's a topic like that that frustrates me. Nah, I can't remember what it was. But that we, like mass or any of these conversations, that you can make this stuff clear. And just because people have established it as some kind of conspiracy concept, they just ignore it going forward forever. It doesn't matter how much evidence comes out. They've chosen it and they stand by it. It's a game. It is a team sports politics choice. And that's what we see with, with Nazis in Ukraine. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. By the way, I'm going to cover some more stuff on Ukraine probably tomorrow. I pushed it off and pushed it off. I just think, like, for instance, that the, the bombing that supposedly happened, it's just a hashtag Ukraine says story. I mean, it's almost like we don't even need to get into it. It's like, really? I mean, how many times do they need to blatantly get caught fabricating massive stories before we just go, well, why, are we, why would we even believe them at face value right now? I mean, but here's the Washington Post, the New York Times, and Ukraine says, great journalism, guys. Great stenography. I mean, it's embarrassing. Anyway, the point is I'll get to that tomorrow just because this stuff seems more important, but masks are not helping people. They're making things worse. Now, here is an example of that. Here's one of many, many things we've covered. But this is, that. well, first, this is the uh, stub stack where this is the guy pointed out. Copying the Japanese mass microbes and meals. After more than two years, Japanese researchers have finally published a study worth reading on the Japanese custom adopted by most of the pandemic hit world, mask wearing. It's nice to finally see that some living organisms benefit from masking, just not humans. In terms of specific results, quote, the bacterial colony numbers were greater on the face side than the outer side. Basically goes on to give you how they collect in different spots and how, what level. The bottom line is it collects dangerous things around your face, which is the last thing that anybody should want. The point to get into it, though, read through it. I've made this point in plenty of other angles. The bottom line is that it increases your risk of illness. I mean, here, I, I might as well just grab this one. No, that's the wrong one. It was... Cluster. That's what it was. There it is. One word. I tend to finally grab these things. Here is the uh, the randomized trial, the random controlled trial of cloth masks. I'll include it just because it makes that point that moisture retention, reuse of them, increase your risk of infection. That they shouldn't be used is what they recommend. All the way back in 2015. Believe it, guys. Fauci individually, the government entirely was well aware of this. Very much knew this was there when they told you to wear this, even though it would make you more in danger. Just to be clear on that. 
Now, that aside, though, because that's the important part of the main thing is that it increases your risk in a lot of different ways, including the fact that it collects microbes and bacteria and everything else, right? But here's the interesting part about this. Here's the study from July 18, 2022, bacterial and fungal isolation from face masks under the COVID pandemic. Says, Although the effectiveness of face masks against viral transmission has been extensively studied, there have been few reports on potential hygiene issues due to the bacteria and fungi attached to the face mask. What I love about this, very tactfully wrote, written. Doesn't suggest that they help at all. Just simply goes, well, they've been researched extensively. I agree with that. And they found they don't work whatsoever. And they have all the way since the 1960s and 70s. I've talked about those old studies. But I, I like how they did that. So it's let people think what they want and read into it. So the people that fund you and want to hear mass are good will be like, good, good. But going forward, it says, we aimed to one, quantify and identify the bacteria and fungi attached to the mass. And two, investigate whether the masks mask attached microbes could be associated with the types of usage of the mass and individual lifestyles. We surveyed 109 volunteers on their mask usage and lifestyles, cultured bacteria and fungi from either the face side or outer side of the masks. One of the main things they found, Staphylococcus aureus. Now we've talked about this in depth. If you want to watch my old mask discussions, we've talked about this specifically and how this can dramatically increase your risk of all sorts of things, but bacterial pneumonia, all the stuff that leads to staph infecting in your mouth. And we've gone over all this in depth. But that one is what I want you to focus on for the next point. I find it interesting, the crossover. I think there was one other point in here. Maybe I'm wrong. No. But going forward, see, and remember, Staphylococcus aureus. Here is a video that I want to play. It looks like somebody got the Pfizer pox. Doctors baffled. I love that, that name. But I'm going to play this really quickly for you. This is a bit shoot clip of a girl who is saying that she got this from, well, I'll just play it for you and we'll talk about it afterward. Now, this is going to be very relevant to the monkeypox conversation and what is played at the end of the monkeypox conversation. So keep this in mind. Let me grab this real quick. This morning, I woke up with an insane rash on my forehead and chest. I thought, okay, if this doesn't go away by tomorrow, I'm going to go to urgent care. I go to urgent care the very next day. They say, oh, that's MRSA. I said, okay, well, can we test it to make... Now, just so you know, while while we're watching this, so you can think about it, <clears throat> MRSA is me uh, methicillin-resistant Staphylococcus aureus, or MRSA, caused by a type of staph bacteria that's become resistant to many of the antibiotics, antibiotics used to treat ordinary staph infections, called MRSA, Staphylococcus aureus. Sunday morning, I woke up with an insane rash on my forehead. Oops, sorry. I started playing it on the on the browser. Go back to this. Sure. They said, oh, yeah, if you want. They take a culture. They say it'll take three days to come back. Give me an antibiotic. But tell me to see my PCP immediately. So I see my PCP immediately. She says, oh, it's a rash. Gives me an antibiotic. So in my mind, I know that it's not just a rash. I can tell that something's wrong. So I call urgent care, and I'm just like, hey. Is there any way you can test that for monkeypox? They said, monkeypox? They said, yeah, that disease that's going around? They said, yeah, we don't do that. So so really, the first, a couple examples like this, by the way. Now, in no way am I suggesting this is monkeypox. I don't think, I think this is such a broad, there are masks out there causing things that can be looked at as vaccine or looked at as, or, you know, causing rashes that could be looked at as monkeypox. There are, there are side effects of the injections I'll show you in a minute that could be taken as monkeypox or mistaken for them using PCR tests or 
there may be something circulating. They're calling monkey pockets, in fact, something they really, there's a thousand possibilities here. But what I think is really interesting is one, that this is something I can connect back to the uh, mask potentially, if that is what this is. But then also the idea that if she's being honest about this, and that's up, you could debate that too, that she's going to the hospitals in a time when they're literally on the edge of declaring a global emergency, when every news outlet everywhere is pushing this hype about monkeypox, and they're like, no, nah, we don't do that. Aren't they the ones screaming about getting tested for monkeypox? Like, well, how do you explain that? Is it to me that would suggest if she's being honest that it's just about pushing the hype in your mind when doctors and hospitals are not even talking about it right now? It's about it's a corporate media wag the dog kind of situation. But again, this is all just up in the air. So just walk through it and you'll see my points connect as we go through the next part of it. But hypothetical, interesting thing. I get a third opinion, see another PCP. I go in, she says, primary care physician. I don't know how you have more than one, but that's she went through a couple of them, I guess. Let me go get my colleague. So now I have two doctors staring at me. They both say, I have no idea what this is. You can go back to work. So I'm driving home. <laughs> I love that. I have no idea. Go back and mix with other people, right? What do you mean? You have no idea what it is, but just don't worry about it? That seems ridiculous. Tell my boss I can come back to work. They call me 45 minutes later. Said, do not go anywhere. We think this is monkeypox. Please go see this dermatologist tomorrow. Great. So you... Again, this is all from within their narrative, understand? The narrative being this is dangerous and transmissible. And and so you go to the hospital and tell them, I think I've got this big thing we're talking about. And they're like, nah, well, I don't know what that is. Or I don't care. You know, but I'm paraphrasing. And then they call you after you've gone and mingled back with the people in the world and say, well, we think this is the thing. Why wouldn't they have done that beforehand? Like, that's, that's, everything about this doesn't add up to me. So I make an appointment with that dermatologist. Let me also just mention... At the appointment, I mentioned, hey, do you think this is monkeypox? And they said, what's monkeypox? So Thursday comes around, the day of my dermatology appointment. The doctor calls me and says, we're canceling your appointment. We're not dealing with that. And I quote, call the CDC is what they told me. Think about how ridiculous that is. So now you've got entire, again, assuming this is correct, you've got entire hospitals pushing back and saying, well, you know, like, and if that's, that would sound, that would make sense to me from a stance of how crazy it got during COVID-19 mania, where some of the people in these hospitals, people were like, you know, I don't even want to get caught up in this because I can't even make choices I think are right because that may challenge the narrative and I may lose my job. You know, who knows how this is the same hype that's already building here. So if they haven't got any standing guidance from the masters of the CDC, well, that seems like a smart move to be like, you know what? Go de- tell them and let them tell you what to do. Because if we do the wrong thing here, we can get eaten alive by the community or by, you know, it's just, it seems weird, doesn't it? But it makes sense in a weird way. I call the CDC. The CDC says, call your PCP. Isn't that perfect? <laughs> that's, the, that's what I was just dealing with with my, my technology stuff. It's like, oh yeah, we have a problem. We can't find it. Go call the app. And then I call the app. Oh no, call the company. They did it point at each other the scarecrow situation it's like come on guys same thing the lady i talked to at the cdc had no idea what she was talking about couldn't answer any of my questions i have not been able to get tested anywhere doctors have refused to see me and i have this mysterious and painful rash all over my face chest arms back and meanwhile three doctors had no idea what i was talking about Hmm. now there, excuse me. There's obviously a lot of up up in the air discussion there, 
But one, if you're not being able to get tested at a time when they're telling you you should be, that's pretty ridiculous. And it speaks to the illusion as opposed to what's really happening. But on top of that, the two things, the mask potential to be causing something that could then get exacerbated by an injection. And then I think it's pretty clear Now we don't know for sure. But it's a safe assumption that the way that she's been speaking and the way that she's been testing and is it monkeypox that she's probably vaccinated, right? So that's the next thing, two points to think about. The mask leading to the increase of that one thing, which then could cause this kind of problem. And then on top of that, as Ryan Cole discussed, or even Fauci said about HIV, that if these injections are increasing these problems. So this, did it just one lead to the other? And now she's breaking out with this autoimmune problem because of the injections that then is then being called monkeypox. And that's what we're seeing everywhere else too. These are valid questions to be asking. I'm not saying I know these for sure because I wouldn't do that unless I did, but it's valid to ask. So again, methicillin resistant staphylococcus aureus, which is MRSA or MRSA infection. That's what she was told. Now here is... Staphylococcus aureus bacterium as a potential and severe complication from intramuscular COVID-19 vaccine injection. What do you know? Well, look at that. Now, we just in this case, we could just X out the mask part of it if we really wanted to, because it seems like the injection causes that itself. How, what do you know? But remember, MRSA was just simply what the doctors thought it was. So it doesn't necessarily have to be that. I'm just trying to connect some dots here for people to see how easy it would be to reframe these things as anything they want which is what happened in COVID-19, at least to a degree. I believe a lot, if not all. Says in the comments, she said she wasn't vaxxed is what they're saying. But, you know, who knows? My point was not to say that I knew any of this stuff. Thank you for pointing that out, though, by the way. My point is just to, to have a hypothetical conversation to show you how easy these things overlap. That's the real point. Because, I, you know, like I said, I don't know for sure. And it's, it's a video from BitChute. I can't verify it. The point wasn't to verify it was just to give you the narrative that's being spun and then showing you the stuff we can prove on either side and see how easy it would be to call vaccine side effects uh, monkeypox or mask side effects monkeypox or call monkeypox something else or however they would want to do this, right? Now here, I'm going to play this clip, this three-minute clip of Cole going over this exact stuff. I mean, this is exactly what we're talking about. And I really want us to remember how clearly it seems this is bra- making everything else worse. Dr. Carvalho's study, two months of healthcare workers taking ivermectin once a week, 800 individuals, zero got COVID in the placebo control group of 400 people, 57% in the placebo group got COVID. That's how effective ivermectin was at preventing acquisition of SARS-CoV-2 in a hospital setting. You can't claim that for these vaccines. You know, these vaccines, you know, they claim 90, 95% uh, efficacy, really what that is, and I could get in, into statistics, that's that's risk reduction, um, your, your relative risk. The, what they didn't do, and, and the FDA failed in this, and they, they allowed them not to submit the numbers for the absolute risk reduction, the ARR. So it literally takes 120 people to get two shots to decrease symptoms in one, one patient. And so... Of those 120, how many people are going to end up with autoimmune disease two to three years down the road? How many are going to end up with cancer two to three years down the road or four or five years? We don't know. But here's what I'm seeing in the laboratory already, and this is very, very concerning. But what we're seeing in the laboratory after people get these shots, we're seeing a very concerning locked-in low profile of these important killer T cells that you want in your body. It's almost a a reverse HIV. In HIV, you lose your helper T cells, your CD4 cells. In this virus post-vaccine, what we're seeing is a drop in your killer T cells, your CD8 cells. 
And what do CD8 cells do? They keep all other viruses in check. What am I seeing in the laboratory? I'm seeing an uptick of herpes family viruses. I'm seeing um, herpes. I'm seeing shingles. I'm seeing mono. I'm seeing a huge uptick in human papillomavirus uh, in the cervical biopsies and the cervical pap smears in women. In addition to that, there's a, a little infectious you know, bump that kids get called molluscum contagiosum. What do you need to keep that in check? You need CD8 uh, killer T cells. I am seeing a 20 times increase in individuals over the age of 50 of this little bump in rash. Um, you know, that's innocuous, but it, what it tells me is the immune status of these individuals who have gotten the shot. We're literally weakening the immune system of these individuals. Now, most concerning of all is there's a pattern of these types of immune cells in the body that keep cancer in check. Well, since January 1, in the laboratory, I've seen a 20 times increase of endometrial cancers over what I see on an annual basis. A 20 times increase. I'm not exaggerating at all. Because I, I look at my numbers year over year. I'm like, gosh, I've never seen this many uh, endometrial cancers before. I'm seeing invasive melanomas in younger patients. Normally, we catch those early in their thin melanomas. I'm seeing thick melanomas skyrocketing in the last month or two. Um, I'm already seeing the early signals, and we are modifying the immune system to a weakened state. Great study out of Germany that looked at these profiles on young individuals after the Pfizer, showing this locked in, and we don't know how long. Maybe the immune system you know, is going to regenerate and those ratios will go back up. But who's studying it? And where are the long-term trials? Two months, four months, how long is this profile locked in? We don't know. And that's what it sounds like to, to be an honest person, right? To, to explain that this is happening. But, you know, we also don't know. Maybe it'll go away, right? That's what not, not, not show a study and be like, you know, that it only lasts this long and not let people know that it's only we're only saying that because we didn't study past that point. Uh, CDC does this all the time, right? They claim, they claim that they have understood a certain situation, but they miss it. They manipulate the perception of people that take them at face value, right? What he's showing you there is undeniable. His personal experience, what he's seen in his practice and comparing it with previous years, and it's exploding. And he's not the only one. They just pretend like they're, oh, their life's been debunked. They're conspiracy theorists. Therefore, we get to dismiss everything they're proving to you. That's children. That's a child level logic right there who is desperate to feel safe. So they want to trust the authority figure. That's literally childish, right? And that's what that is. The problem here is that what he's telling you is the vaccine acquired immunodeficiency problem, VAIDS. Right. Or as HIV, the, the human immunodeficiency problem. That's what these things are, guys. Just different version of it. You are watching this happen in real time. So when we see that with that girl, we should ask whether that's a problem that has been created by what they're being told to take. Now, bringing this over to the monkeypox conversation, all of this translates. All of this is relevant. I believe all of this is happening in the same way. First of all, just in case you missed it, here's Tedros. I have decided that the global monkeypox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern, right? This non-doctor is telling us this because that's important to listen to the non-doctor. For all of these reasons, I have decided that the global monkeypox outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. Now, it's also equally concerning that they only pushed this out. Remember, they just met and decided no and then said, but, but, but things are happening, which no more fast or slower than they were before. Well, so we're going to reconvene in a week. And what did we all say? Well, obviously, just like with COVID, they said, no, it's not. And then did it. Yes. The next time. Exactly what happened this time. Like they're following the same playbook. 
but it's a little bit obvious that they waited until they had agreed as the WHO to push forward a treaty with teeth or rather a legally binding treaty. So then they could force countries to do what they're, what they say is the right thing. And after they make that agreement, then he comes out and announces this. What a coincidence, right? This is an alarming step because the emergency opens the door just like Trump originally opened the United States with the original state of emergency that they've now continued ever since. This opens the door to all sorts of emergency action. Like I said before, welcome to the the new normal of emergency governance. Everything's an emergency all the time. Therefore, we have to act now. We can't wait for process, right? We can't wait for the constitution. Now we're all going to die. And it turns out, oh, we weren't even close to that, but we pushed through all the stuff we wanted. So who cares? That's the heat wave. That's climate change. All of it. That's your new normal. And here we are opening this. I I would even be willing to argue it's possible that monkeypox itself is just a massive push to keep your attention anywhere else other than the obvious next step of lockdowns of climate change and whatever else they're pushing. You can't miss how clearly that climate change effort is there. But who knows for sure? Right. You don't know for sure what the next step will be. I wouldn't say that but it's very likely. Now here we have the U.S. confirms the first two cases of monkeypox. And how did they confirm that? Oh, that's right. With the wildly uncom- the un- non-confirming, what's the right way to say that? The wildly inconsistent and not accurate PCR test in the case of, of proving people have something that you say that they have. A yes or no answer is all you get, right? And that means they could have some particle in there that is technically associated, but does not, they're never going to get sick. They're never going to be transmissible. They never even technically are infected. That's a fact that can happen, especially with something like this, because it's hard to catch. But then the point is they test them with a PCR test with a very high cycle threshold, which we've already confirmed. And you get a very high false positive rate, which is easy to then use. So did these kids have monkeypox? Did they have a vaccine induced side effect? They called monkeypox with a PCR test that would said positive. Remember what they told you about the testing, right? Well, make sure you test more than once. Test until you get a positive just to be safe. That's actually what they said on the corporate media. So just test and test and test until you get a positive. What about all the negatives? Who cares? It's all for be, just be safe, right? So are these kids suffering from vaccine-induced side effects? Are they suffering from staphylococcus aureus from their mask, which then gets looks like called monkeypox? These are all valid possibilities. But we don't care because PCR said. Starting the case-demic illusion all over again. Both cases are likely the result of household transmission and had no contact with each other. That seems quite strange, seeing as how they're not finding anything else around them. It's an outbreak, and they wouldn't connect, but yet nobody else is sick next to them? Well, either that means that it's not really dangerous, otherwise it would have spread, or this is not what they actually had. That's just my take on it. But ask yourself, if they didn't cross, and you've got two children who are around family members and everything else, and nobody else, I mean, that's the point. You can read about it. They, there's no other cases around them right now. So this is not what they're telling you it is, even if it's actually there, which is questionable. But it says one is a toddler who lives in California and the other is an infant who is not a resident of the U.S., which is interesting, and was transitioning, tran, transit, trans, transiting, excuse me, through the Washington, D.C. area when the test was done. And there's your problem, right? Testing everything all the time, anywhere, constantly will give you a huge illusion of what you th- want to see with something with as high as 95% false positives, according to Scoglio PhD, plenty of other doctors, all the examples we've given you who tested things and proved this to you. But he was passing through. Interesting, right? So if he's passing through, did he have a vaccine passport? Was he wearing his mask? You know, all these other things they keep talking about? Most likely, which is exactly why I think these things 
are the actual issue. Remember, they said this is not like the normal monkeypox, probably because it's not even actually what we're talking about. Just my thoughts, not proving these things. Oh, conspiracy theory. But health authorities warn that monkeypox may pose greater dangers to young children. Why? Like, what's the argument there? Aren't you the one saying it's only spreading between men that have sex with men? So how in the world are you just shoehorning in that we warn that it could be? Well, you could warn it could be anything. Is it backed up by the facts? Are children actually in danger? And if they are, how in the world do you explain that when you're telling us it's only men who have sex with men? In countries that have seen an endemic spread of monkeypox before 2022, the WHO warns that young children have died at higher rates from the disease. Now that, you could argue they're just saying those that happen to catch it die at higher rates. Well, that applies to any, most any situation for children and an illness. Oh, but wait a minute, not COVID-19 though, <laughs> which probably suggests that it's not what we think it is. Think about that. But it says, as is the case with adults, medicines like the antiviral uh, treatment tech Tecvirmat or T-pox are available for treating monkeypox cases in children. Is it though? We'll talk about that next. The T-pox conversation is not what you think it is. And this is the one they're actually arguing should be given to children. Just wait until you see how alarmingly dangerous this is. To children who don't need this, who haven't died, who aren't dying, anybody really. And yet you're telling us to give them something that, that has a death rate for people of one. I think it will. I'll get to it in a minute. A very high amount of people die when they take that injection. Just to quickly jump ahead. It, it's one they give for smallpox. Here's what they called it in 2002. The most dangerous vaccine. I'm not making this up. I've already showed you this before. I'll come back to it. And it's, they only say that it makes sense because smallpox is so dangerous. Even that logic I'm not okay with. But how do you make sense of it now? Giving them something that's exceptionally dangerous for something that's usually for something that's that much more dangerous, but for something that's actually seems to be pretty benign. Same as COVID. Who cares? Do give them to the shot because they're all going to die. The shot is, in fact, more dangerous. But it says, has been safely given a shot in the past, which, by the way, what does that mean? Safe how many were given it? How many people got hurt by it? Did we ignore the side effects like we did today? However, the CDC says no clinical studies have specifically investigated use of this in children. <laughs> did you hear that properly? So we've given it to the children in the past. We are now arguing that is what they should be given, except we haven't studied whether it's safe for them. No big deal. That's starting to sound familiar. It's all because of disaster emergency governance. Well, we can't wait and find out because there's so much in danger. We got to just give them whatever we have in front of us because danger. Again, we're going to do something that's fundamentally unsafe because danger. Why do people think that makes sense? That's the same thing with everything COVID-19. We're going to do something dangerous because this over thing over here is dangerous. The agency said that both children are being treated with tech, that what we just talked about. Tech government or T-pox. For vaccinations, the FDA has only formally approved the Janios, 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 monkeypox shots, spelled J-Y-N-N-E-O-S, for adult for use in adults. However, federal health officials have said the Biden administration has worked out arrangements to be able to offer doses for children. That's the other part. So, so two things they were already trying to finagle for children, which why in the world would they need this? They don't need the COVID injection. And this is something that's barely been circulating that only nobody's died from. And you're already trying to push this on children. What is happening and why can't the people in this position see it? Now, I know most of will see this. But I'm talking about the fringe people in the two-party illusion. 
This is crazy. The point is the Genios, that one is also only approved for 18 and above, and they haven't tested it on children, but they've already figured out a way to give it to them because that's what happens in emergency governance. In June, CDC officials, by the way, I'm going to go over each one of these. So just wait. In Gene, Gene, in June, CDC officials said that they had offered doses of the Genios, Genios vaccine to at least one pediatric patient. In June? Why would that happen? Why would they give a child this if it hasn't been tested safe for children? Because pandemic. That's it. That's it. That's the only logic. Because of danger and kids and stuff and they're at risk. So let's give them something we don't know is safe. Please make sense of that for me. This week, a hospital in New Jersey announced they had facilitated vaccination of a three-year-old who had been exposed to a positive case. Now, I'm going to make clear to you in 30 seconds here that they make clear that giving this to people after they're infected is not what you're supposed to do. We're already in this monkeypox field. It was just like COVID-19. The data and science are already showing what they're doing is unscientific and dangerous. But of course, we'll be censored, called crazy, and this won't come out until somebody else picks it up bigger later down the line. This is ridiculous. Don't forget, we were doing the same thing with COVID-19 discussions in the early part of the trials. We were proving to you that they didn't even try to find out if it stopped transmission. Do you remember how we beat that dead horse? And only when Tucker and everybody else started pointing out it didn't stop transmission, suddenly it became real stories. It's a, it, This needs to get spread, guys. Now, before it gets larger, a spokesperson for the FDA declined to confirm how many requests the agencies granted for use of the vaccine in children. Did you hear that already? You get that little squeak through there? Emergency authorization. Why are we emergency authorizing it for children when we don't even, when we haven't even remotely proven that they're even at risk from this? Just because they say in other situations, have we proven that's what this is? Aren't you all arguing this is different in some way? Why are we giving objections for something that is based on something from over there, which you now are debating might be something different? It's the same broken logic of COVID-19. I don't think any of this has to do with safety, and it never did. How do you make these kind of choices if safety is actually what you're trying to do or maintain? Now, here are the previous discussions we already had. May 20th, could monkeypox be the next COVID-19? What did the secret 2021 monkeypox exercise say? I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking. This is the one that Derek covered. Here's his article. There was a 2021 monkeypox simulation that predicted 270 million people died. And we do lockdowns and mass mandates and social distancing. What do you know? This is insulting to our intelligence, guys, whether it happens or not. But the point is, we went over everything in this from the background and whether or not this had all the trappings of another COVID-19 illusion. And my answer was yes. Everything they need, if they really wanted to, this could be exactly that. So we'll have to see. I mean, it seems like that's what's happening. But all this was covered back in May 20th. All the things I'm going to show you next, the dangers of the injections and all the overlap and everything. We'll peek, peek at it again. Here's one of the other ones I did. Is monkeypox a threat? Accident, cover-up, or illusion? As the restrictions return, it may not matter. That's the kind of the point, right? It's not they, they rush in the fear and danger. It all just gets swept away, and we just do what they say, or rather the people that push you into it try to tell you they do, and it doesn't even matter. I mean, look at right, we're all right now. The facts and science don't matter in confrontation with the screaming narrative. I mean, it does, obviously, but that's what they are pushing. But let's get into this. <clears throat> Here is the first one. This is specifically T-Pox or Techovermat. <laughs> strangest names they have. Just to make clear, they're the same thing. Now, here's what it says. This is updated June 17th, 2022. 
2022 U.S. monkeypox outbreak. There are no treatments, June 17, 2022. There are no treatments specifically for monkeypox virus infections, period. That is the reality. You'll not hear that from the corporate media. Take the monkeypox vaccine, safe and effective. That, that's actually their marching orders already. One, they're not safe. They're barely effective. And they'll tell you this in the actual data. But there's not a treatment specifically for monkeypox. They include them. They use smallpox things and they adapt them for monkeypox. Are they the same thing? No, they're not. Well, I should be clear. There are people that argue they could be. All these pox things are just different, vari- the same thing. They're just repackaging. That's an argument that's made. I, the point is the standing argument is these are different things. So within that, which is what this is kind of arguing from within their narrative, right? Their argument is these are different things. So the point wouldn't make sense, would it? Why are we taking a vaccine made for smallpox and arguing that it's efficacious for monkeypox? Aren't they different viruses? Yes. Well, they're in the same wheelhouse, essentially, but they're different. It's like saying a different thing for different variants. It's the same argument. But here we are. Pushing it out right now. However, it says smallpox viruses are genetically similar, which means that antiviral drugs and vaccines developed to protect against smallpox, you know, may be used to prevent and treat monkeypox viruses. Is that what they is that what they should use? Is that the safest? Is it most effective? It doesn't even the point that's not even what they're getting into. This is an argument that's made as a side argument. Well, they could be, you know, they're they what where's the word they use? Developed to protect against this, but they may be used to prevent and treat monkeypox. Is it safe and effective? Does it stop transmission? Does it reduce your symptoms? That's not even what we're talking about yet. Antivirals such as T-pox may be recommended for people who are more likely to get severely ill, like patients with weakened immune systems. Wait till you see where that connects to. Okay, so right now we are watching people have their immune systems weakened by these injections, right? Then they step into this other situation, and that's the very thing they then point at to justify giving them this next one. Look how, first of all, how that connects. But just wait until you see what these things cause. That exact situation. This is self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, so we've established right out of the gate that their most recent update shows you that they just simply don't have any treatment specifically for monkeypox, period, end of story. And yet they're already pumping these things out and giving them. They've already bought millions of these monkeypox injections even though they're not that, and they say it right there, but they're framing as that, they're just smallpox injections reworked as monkeypox. Why not? Let's get rid of those ones. Get them off the shelf, right? Okay. Next part. FDA approves, this is from 2018, first drug with an indication for treatment of smallpox. T-pox. Right, so the same thing. My point being, this is not about Monkeypox. The U.S. FDA today in 2018 in July approved T-pox, the first drug with an indication for treatment of smallpox. I love how sound that is. Longstanding concerns that smallpox could be used as a bioweapon. Now, what's interesting to me there is to think about how the same point as before. So someone's going to take smallpox, they argue, and make it into a bioweapon, right? Why would that be the same thing? Could be, certainly could be the same strain, but all the every time we talk about these conversations, they're talking about somebody who is taking something and altering it, right? Who is changing it like the gain of function research that Fauci was involved in to make something that's dangerous, which then changes what it is. 
So I guess you could argue it may still be effective, but the argument is you don't know that. So why would they then make these things for something that may not be the case? Because it's not about vaccines or treatment. It is about making weapons and gain-of-function research and using the vaccine as a cloud or a cover or a veil to hide what they're really doing. This has been called out by everybody from corporate media to people in their own government, guys. It's very obvious. They love to use that statement. T-pox's effectiveness against smallpox was established by studies conducted in animals infected with viruses that are closely related to the virus that causes smallpox. Okay, that's the first point. So they didn't even do the studies in animals that with smallpox, they used something that was related to smallpox. Oh, that seems perfectly sound. Sure, it couldn't work, but it's one step removed already. And then it says, and was based on measuring survival at the end of the studies. More animals treated with T-pox lived compared to treatment for animals treated with placebo. Okay, so it's not based on reducing symptoms like they tell you all vaccines are. Weird how that changed when you look back in time, right? No, it's about stopping dying. That's what it always really was about, reducing transmission and stopping you from being harmed, death, and so on. So what they did, they did a study, and today they would tell you, no, we reduce symptoms because that's all they want you to see. No, what they did is completely look at what they're supposed to be looking at, which is less people dying because of it. You're not going to, how much you want to bet you don't hear that today? They're going to come out and argue, oh, well, it's about reducing your symptoms because it's not going to stop these things, probably not because it's not what, what it is. Just a thought. More animals treated with this didn't die compared to the other. T-Pox is approved under the animal rule, which allows findings from this animal study to support and approve approval for this drug. Okay, so they took something that wasn't smallpox, close to it though, tested it on animals by themselves, no human trials, and then made an approval based on that alone. That's what you're putting in people's arms right now or in their bodies and arguing you can give it to kids based on animal studies of something that's not even connected to smallpox, let or rather not that isn't smallpox, let alone monkeypox. This, yeah, science though, right? Well done, guys. That's crazy. You don't need to be a scientist to understand how ridiculous that is. Now, they got approximately 113 million oral T-pox back in 2021. Isn't that interesting? November 2021. What did they know that you didn't, guys? That's pretty telling, isn't it? Side effects of smallpox vaccination. Now, here they list off a couple different things. Now, I find this one to be very telling. Now, this is the point about how dangerous these things are. Now we're talking about the, the, the smallpox injections, not the therapeutics. In the past, for every 1,000 people vaccinated, this is where you get into the stats about this being called the most dangerous vaccine. For every 1,000 people vaccinated, one person experienced a serious but not life-threatening reaction. Well, first of all, that's a little bit of a contradiction because in any other case you look this stuff up, serious reaction includes death, hospitalization, permanent disability, and pregnancy issues. We just went over this. So this is them just making this differentiation for their own purposes which is very telling. But one in a thousand. We just talked about one in 5,000. Talk about one in a thousand. Now, just because they don't make this out to be death, life-threatening, serious reactions are a big deal. They include a lot of other things other than death. These, re these reactions may require medical attention. So one in a thousand people who are taking this right now or may require medical attention and you're giving them to children without even testing it on them first, 
I mean, guys, this is blowing my mind how ridiculous this is. This is more crazy than COVID-19. Spreading the vaccine of virus, which is, you know, the pox all-encompassing, by touching the vaccination site. Oh, yeah, th- guys, I, I forgot about this. Check this out. Okay, so this is absolutely crazy to me. They're giving people injections right now. There's Okay, there's differences. There's ones that are the non-replicating and the ones that are, and there's multiple ones that are in use that are being used right now. Look at what this says. Here's one of the side effects that you may get. One in a thousand people may get. You may spread the actual virus that you're getting the injection for by touching the vaccination site and then touching another part of the body or another person. So you're literally able to spread smallpox, apparently, or some pox virus by taking this vaccine. Now, is that even, is it, you're, you're taking it for monkeypox, which is not very dangerous. Is this thing more dangerous? Does it even matter to them? It usually occurs, guess what, on the genitals or face, including the eyes, where it can damage sight. Well, it seems a little bit relevant to the first one, the next lady we're going to show you. A toxic or allergic rash that can take various forms. All of these things could be misinterpreted as the very thing they think they're trying to fight, right? The rash, the blood. I'll show you this next. Well, the way they describe these things are exactly what you see in the side effect, or rather the symptoms of monkeypox, we're told. Here's what it lists under life-threatening. So first of all, one in a thousand may be, have serious side effects, like medical attention level, but not death. Then between 14 and 52 people out of a million may die. That's also way, way too much. Now I've, I broke this down correctly, basically 35. So there's 330 million people in the country. So if you, I just took the middle number, I made it 35, Right. So that means 35 out of every million, if you're just kind of making it, try and make it an average there, if it's 14 to 50 and between between 14 and 52. So 35 out of a million making it easy, right? So there's 330 million people. So that means we basically do 35 divided by 330 or times and you get, let's just call it 11,500. So arguably based on the stat, which I promise you is low, which is what they always do. You're talking about if you give this to everybody, you're going to kill 12,000 people. Is that acceptable to everybody? Is it the greater good? Is this even that dangerous? Would monkeypox kill 12,000 people? <laughs> My God. It says, rarely people have had bad reactions to the vaccine in the past. Between 14 and 52 people out of every 1 million people vaccinated for the first time experienced potentially life-threatening reactions. Serious rash caused by the infection of the skin. That seems to be a very common side effect here. That you get a rash that then gets misinterpreted as monkeypox. I mean, that's ridiculous. Many people, or rather could be, many people who got this complication were not vaccinated, but got infected with the virus from the vaccinated, the vaccine site of their family member or friend who received the vaccination. Remember all those screaming arguments about how vaccines can't get people sick? That's always, I mean, with all of these, I believe there's some level of possibility there. It also says that it can cause inflammation of the brain. Doesn't seem, it seems like everything they want to give you can cause encephalitis, doesn't it? Including the COVID-19 vaccination. So don't miss the crossover of these points. I'm not going to yell it out every time, but remember the crossover here. Is this monkeypox? Is this vaccine side effects of the monkeypox vaccine? Or are all of these things COVID-19 injection side effects that are being covered up by whatever else they're pumping into the talking points? COVID-19 or about monkeypox, heat waves, climate change. All of this has that also overarching point. I should have made that more clear before. It says people with weakened immune systems are more likely to have these reactions. There you go. That's the fill-in. So they're talking about how the other point over here about the immune systems, 
these injections they're giving right now are are causing people to have vaccine acquired immunodeficiency, a weakened immune system, right? Then those people are more likely to have a reaction by this injection, which then gets called the thing they're trying to fight. And round and round it goes. On top of that, it's also dangerous. Sound right? Sound like something you want to be a part of? Other serious side effects, a few people who have gotten the smallpox vaccine and not the monkeypox vaccine, a smallpox vaccine they're giving people for monkeypox that they don't even know is monkeypox, have developed myocarditis. Not making that up. Inflammation of the living of the lining of the heart or pericard or rather myocarditis or pericarditis or a combination of both myopericarditis. It's, isn't it amazing how people didn't even know these words at all before this started? Now it just seems like every everything under the sun causes myocarditis. Or is this a massive cover-up? Other people have experienced heart pain, heart attack after getting the smallpox vaccination. Heart attack, myocarditis, blood clots, rash, shares, encephalitis. Yeah, totally safe and effective, though. Guarantee you're going to hear that coming soon. Guys, this is the current data from the CDC website for those in the podcast. Okay, just to reiterate this, this is the injection that they're giving people that they're calling or they called the most dangerous vaccine. It says the smallpox vaccine is deadly too. Scientists call it the most dangerous vaccine known to man. This is 60 Minutes, CBS News. It says the vaccine effectively immunizes against smallpox, but that protection has a price. Some people die from it (laughs) and others have serious reactions, some permanent. They wouldn't even say this blatantly today. Scientists say it's the most dangerous vaccine known to man. Quote, we know if we immunize a million people, there will be 15 people that will suffer severe permanent adverse outcomes and one person who may die. Now, remember, 15 is the low ball. So that's uh, that's Dr. Paul Offit slightly deceiving you because it's 15 to 45, somewhere in between. So to just choose 15 instead of saying 35 or 50 or an average, that's, that's a little deceptive, isn't it? That's, no, it's not. I mean, 15 of a million is too many. At the very least, as always, it's your choice, guys. But most dangerous vaccine in the world. Let's give it to kids, even though we haven't even tested it on them, right? Well, just so you can see it, guys, here's just two of many examples I've shown of how the COVID-19 injection can cause something that looks like any number of the things that we just discussed. Toxic epidermal necrosis post-COVID-19 vaccination. Here's what it looks like. You can see how that could be taken for exactly that, right? Now, also remember these rashes and different things when we look at this last girl here coming up, or the one we looked at first. Here's another one. Well, I've shown you both of these. Vellus femphigoid, uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce that, and COVID-19 vaccine. BP is an autoimmune skin disease characterized by the appearance of tense blisters. Develop BP after receiving the first vaccine, technically of Pfizer's injection, and look at that. Looks pretty similar to me of what we're calling monkeypox, right? Now, Real Andy Lee Show points out the government of Canada, just like we pointed out, they've ordered T-pox back in 2021, tendered a contract for PHAC to acquire 500,000 doses of smallpox vaccine on April 21st, 2022. In April. Much later. But why did, what did, you know, it's interesting to see this. And so the WHO reported on May 21st that since May 13th, cases of monkeypox have been reported from 12 member states. So it says, still think they're being upfront with us? Like, what did they know? Why was this happening ahead of time? Here is the FDA approves first live non-replicating vaccine to prevent smallpox and monkeypox. This is as of 2019. Says the U.S. FDA announced today the approval of Janios, 
smallpox and monkeypox vaccine. Now, understand they approved it for this use, but this is not, I, I mean, let's make it clear again, to be very clear. This is their current update as June 17th, way after this post, right? This is approved 2019. So this is being posted on CDC for the monkey, excuse me, for the podcast, June 17th, 2022, where it says again, there are no treatments specifically for monkeypox, which means they have these things split, right? So this one's approved where we were here for both things, which is really something that's been adapted for something from smallpox, which they'll make clear in here for what they want to be using for today. That's not something that should be sound and safe, uh, let alone something pushed on children that don't need it. Now it says, this is the only currently FDA approved vaccine for the prevention of monkeypox disease. Just because they, 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 it doesn't mean that it's safe and sound. Just even though they approve it, we should remember that, especially for the things they're pushing for COVID. Here's what it says. The effectiveness of Janios for the prevention of monkeypox disease is inferred from the antibody responses in the smallpox clinical study participants and from studies in non-human primates that showed protection for of animals vaccinated with this injection who were exposed to the monkeypox virus. Seriously? That's approval level that you approve this for monkeypox, even though you're inferring data from a different study and then did primate studies to back it up. Where are the humans, guys? This is dangerously unscientific and dangerously experimental. But they're always going to claim disaster governance during danger governance. The word emergency. We're in a day. That's why it's a world emergency. Didn't you hear Tedros? So we just have to rush this out quickly for, for your benefit. And argue that that meets the definition of safe and effective because emergency, right? This is madness. Now, here is the actual document from the FDA. I just want to point out things that we're already seeing, like we saw in everything else that they're not telling people, like we saw in COVID-19. Pregnancy. Same point. Available human data on this Gynos vaccine, Gynios, administered to pregnant women are insufficient to inform the risks for pregnancy. Are they telling that to pregnant women? No, they're not. That's important, don't you think? It says the same thing right now in the COVID-19 data. Same thing, that they don't know. Use in pregnant women, breastfeeding, the safety profile vaccine is not fully known for pregnant women or breastfeeding. Same thing with immunocompromised patients. Safety profile vaccine is not known. How incredible is this that it still states that? And this, I keep showing it. Back to that point, same thing here. Why? I mean, aren't they're legally obligated? That's called informed consent to say these things. They don't. Then down here it says it's it is not known whether gynios is excre is excreted in human milk. So that means you could take this, then get pregnant, and then have this. I mean, there there is a lot of these overlapping things they don't want to talk about. But here's the best worst part: pediatric use, safety, and effectiveness of gynios have not been established in individuals less than 18 years of age. They don't know if this is safe for kids. It states it right there in their own documentation, the approval for this thing. Yet they're, I just told you they're giving it to kids. I just talked about that. This is criminal. Here is the Daniel smallpox vaccine, which is also called MVABN. Now, the reason I'm showing you that is because of what they say elsewhere in this discussion. Now, it says in November 2021, the U.S. CDC's vaccine committee unanimously voted for Janios as an alternative to the ACAM 2000 for primary vaccination and booster doses. Now I'll show you what ACAM 2000 is next, which is also equally alarming, which is also already being used. Janios 
Genios, marketed under the brand names of uh, uh, I'm Van X in the European Union and I'm Vamune, I'm Vimune, that's weird, in Canada. Just remember those two names because I'll reference them in other places. So that's that's Europe and Canada. They're already marketed. The CHMP considered that the effectiveness of Janios or what they're calling it, which would be I'm Vanex, which would be in the European Union, the effectiveness of that shot in the prevention of monkeypox in humans could be inferred from these other studies. It's the same thing. So instead of doing new safety trials, they're looking at smallpox research based on animals and saying, well, we can just infer that children will be safe or give it to children or give it to anybody. How in the world we pretend this makes sense that it's safe and effective is people that are scared and only know how to listen to what they're told. Here's where it says under indication, the CDC says, quote, we do not know if Ginos will fully protect against monkeypox virus infection. Let me just read that again. You should be confounded by that after what we just went through. It's already being given. It's an approved thing for monkeypox, right? The CDC says, we do not know if it will fully protect you from monkeypox, but we approved it anyway, though, safe and effective, right? Ginos can be used for uh, for these different, th- uh, what were those related to? I forget now. Let me see what that is. Per- oh, that's what it was. Persons at risk, occupational exposure, basically for risk, people at risk. Or following risk benefit discussions and a review of any conditions that could increase the risk of serious adverse events. Right. So it's not good right now for people at work and occupational risk. Didn't you just say it was approved for crying out loud, but they haven't tested to see if it increases serious adverse events? What is going on? You know already, we've lived through it. However, it says there is a very limited evidence, there is very limited evidence on whether the Janos injection or MBABN can prevent or modify disease when given to contacts after possible exposure to monkeypox. Remember, we just talked about this. They gave it to an infant, an adult, oh no, it was an infant, a child, who had already had exposure. So explain for me how they can say right there, we don't even know if that will prevent or modify the disease when given to somebody. So you took a risk on a child that it might in fact make it worse? The answer is yes, according to the CDC right now. The WHO states, quote, vaccination against smallpox with first generation vaccine of virus-based smallpox vaccine was 85% effective Let's, 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 I guess we can only assume that's relative risk reduction, the way they manipulate these things today, in preventing monkeypox in the past. When properly administered before exposure to monkeypox, vaccines effectively protect people against monkeypox. That's a quote. They're quoting someone else saying that. Therefore, persons exposed to the monkeypox virus and who have not received the smallpox vaccine within the last three years should consider getting vaccinated. They're literally telling everybody out there to go get vaccinated. The sooner the person receives the vaccine, the more effective it will be in protecting against the monkeypox virus. So two children are, were told, based on faulty PCR testing, have monkeypox. Nobody else, no death. And yet they're right now telling everybody in this country right there to go out and get this thing before you get con- you know, in contact with somebody else. Even though they just skipped past that and gave it to a kid that already did, even though they say they don't know if that's safe. On top of that, remember, as they're yelling this at you, they also don't know if it'll work. Because that makes sense, right? We don't know if it will fully protect you. But give it to everybody quick. (laughs) Yeah, there's no weird thing going on here at all, right? 
Side effects. The smallpox monkeypox vaccine is not recommended for the general public in the U.S. since smallpox has been eradicated. Uh, what? Okay, let me read that again. So it's already being given to kids and whoever else. It literally says the smallpox monkeypox vaccine, Janios, that's what it is, right there above it on the headline, is not recommended for general public use in the United States. Okay, that seems inconsistent. Since it's been eradicated, they say. Well, let's wait for that to not cut. You know, polio has been eradicated. Oh, there's a case over there, right? This, this is how they keep playing this game. Then it says in women, there are no data regarding women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. I already showed you that, but it's not being told to people. People are considering, people who, people are considered fully vaccinated. Here's this again, about 14 days after their second dose. And it takes four weeks between those doses, if I remember correctly. So now you, now it takes a month and a half of time frame that anything negative that happens because of these injections, even though you're giving them the most dangerous vaccine on the world, according to the media, will not be counted as a vaccine problem. It'll be counted as something else. Let's not miss how that's going to work. There's a 14-day period right there for two shots. Also, don't forget that they're going to try to make it out. See, see, two shots like the COVID. Nope, we're on number four and five and six otherwise other places in the world. There's always been shots with two doses. The idea that it's normal to get boosted forever is BS crazy. <laughs> but I think that's it in here. Okay, so that, that that's just mind-blowing. Here is the vaccines head, head uh, subject. Uh, Overall vaccine discussion for monkeypox in general on the CDC website. Here's what it says. The strategic national stockpile has three, excuse me, smallpox vaccines, not monkeypox vaccines. They list this, as I said, as smallpox vaccines. And they list the first two, ACAM 2000 and Janios, which they, you know, one can be used over the other. Also known as Ivumane and the ones I told you are the only two licensed smallpox vaccines in the United States. Not monkeypox. Smallpox. Aventus Pasteur smallpox vaccine, or APSV, is an investigational vaccine that may be used in a smallpox emergency under the appropriate regulation mechanism. Emergency use authorization. Oh, okay. So we've had this that long, and yet we would still use emergency use instead of just making sure it's safe over the last 20 years and proving it? That makes sense, right? It makes sense if you realize that's how they sidestep accountability, and maybe because that thing is just barely okay. Like, why wouldn't that be approved if it's been there this long? You know the answer. We're watching it happen. In certain groups of people under ACAM 2000, particularly those who are immunocompromised, complications from the vaccine of virus can be severe. Great. So you're giving them something to treat monkeypox. People are taking the COVID injection, which is creating immunocompromised to people. So it's a rampant problem. Now you're giving a monkeypox vaccine which is particularly problematic for that group and then makes the actual monkeypox virus become more severe or the looking like of stuff anyway. Does that look like a self-fulfilling prophecy to anybody else? Replication competent smallpox vaccine consists of a live infectious vaccine of virus that can be transmitted from the vaccine recipient to unvaccinated persons who have close contact with the inoculation site or with exudate from the site, which was what again? A mass of cells and fluid that has seeped out. That sounds lovely. That's a that's that means it's working, right? The risk of side effects in household contacts is the same as those for the vaccine recipient. Think about that. So you're just you're equally at risk. Why does that even make sense to anybody? Therefore, the vaccination site requires special care to prevent the virus from spreading. So the vaccine is the virus. Period. 
So why, I mean, I can, there's a thousand things. This is just crazy. You're giving them, okay. So the next part, oh, I guess we already went over the rest of them. So ne- the next thing I want to get into is the last part on this is to show you the smallpox preparedness and response updates from the FDA as of May, 2022. It says June 4th, 2021, FDA approves drug to treat smallpox. FDA approves Tembexa to treat smallpox. Okay, how many drugs do you think we need to treat smallpox? Why are they approving three different injections, four different therapeutics? Like, why does that make sense to anybody? I mean, I really wonder. Like, some people may say, well, because it's better to have more choices. But ask yourself what this means. That means they're going to spend your tax dollars because this is the strategic national stockpile. So that means, again, to be clear, that's what this is, the preparedness response plan. That means that they keep these things on stock. Even though there's no smallpox, they claim it's eradicated. Even monkeypox, I've only had two cases, they say. The point here, or rather two children, the point here is that you have numerous things that you're buying repeatedly and then expire repeatedly and they keep buying more. This is a, this is a scam, in my opinion, to beef up the profits of these companies. You don't need multiple approved substances. If one is safe and effective, then buy a lot and hold it and buy those ones. I don't even agree with that, to be quite honest, because I don't want them spending my money on any of this stuff. But why does it make sense? So they can keep buying it and keep making it. Down here, it says ACAM 2000 smallpox vaccine live. is a rep- uh, I think we just read that. Oh, it just simply says is in persons determined to be at high risk for smallpox infection. Janios, and by the way, all these are being discussed for children. Janios will be available for those determined to be at high risk for monkeypox or smallpox, meaning children as well, even though it's not safe for children. Now, this one, the AAPSV, is an investigational one we just read, smallpox emergency, potentially made under EUA. We read those already. Okay. Now, to be clear, to show you that in July 1st, beginning of the month, HHS ordered 2.5 more doses of Janios. Right. The one that we just showed you is wildly suspect based on the flimsy studies not really done on children, even though they're giving it to children, or the fact that it's based on smallpox and animal studies when they're giving it to you for monkeypox. Maniacs. And then they bought some more. Oh, six days later, the Harris administration, by the Harris administration, to make an additional 144,000 doses of Janos vaccine available to states and jurisdictions. Then just to include for, you know, to be clear and, and for the full picture, just in case, back in December 2001, don't forget they were working on a study in Nature, the nature.com, the pathology and ex- of experimental aerosolized monkeypox virus infection. No big deal there, nothing to be concerned about. It's typical gain-of-function research to make it more dangerous. Then, boom, what do you know? Monkeypox outbreak. Now, he's, this Squid Diddley points out, why is monkeypox a national emergency? When two or three people in the U.S. get it and the 80,000 plus a year dying from no health care is not. Or to make it a, a less partisan argument, even though it's a valid point, regardless of how partisan it is. How about just the fact that people are dying from all any number of things? What about alcohol and tobacco or starvation or everything you can point out that are very clearly things that they're capable of dealing with? Or that, in fact, are actual emergencies. How about the fact that millions of people die from tuberculosis every year? We don't ever hear about that. That's a fact. Look it up. It's because it's not politically advantageous. It's an emergency for this because it's being used, just like you are if you're playing a part. Peter McCullough, Dr. Peter McCullough points out a great study that's really relevant to this, which I find alarming in the connection to HIV. 
basically points out this study reveals that 41% of the people that are told they have monkeypox right now also have HIV. Isn't that interesting? Now, is it HIV or is it vaccine, is it AIDS? Vaccine acquired immunodeficiency. And would they look the same? No deaths, guys. No deaths. But it's an emergency. Here's the study. Just to reiterate what he said. Before April 2022, monkeypox virus infection in humans was seldom reported outside African regions where it is endemic. Currently, cases are occurring worldwide. Well, why exactly? Doesn't anybody care what changed? Shouldn't we care if it changed enough to where these injections won't work? Or if it's not the same thing? Or if we're using PCR tests and it's an illusion? No, because it's not about facts. It's about agenda. If there wasn't if there was anything other than an agenda, we would be desperately trying to find out if why it suddenly changed, why it's different today. They don't even care about that. The the the, the corporate conversation in the government, but it says we report 528 infections diagnosed, meaning PCR test between April 27th and June 24th, at 43 sites in 16 countries. That's basically nothing when you break it down, guys. Especially when you realize that nobody's died overall. well, there's arguments of three in Africa, which again, I argue are up in the air at the very least, but it's in a place where it's always been, and they say endemic. The point is all the places which suddenly make it a problem, which why it wasn't a problem for, you know, why wouldn't it be issue for, like, think about it this way. If that many people or it was endemic in the other country, it would have been a worldwide catastrophe. But it's endemic in Africa, though, it's Africa. Ignore it. Because we're raping them, drive all their resources and taking everything we can from them and outsourcing, colonizing. Yeah. But look at China making deals with them. <laughs> right. That's what's actually happening. But it goes on to say overall, 98% of the persons with infections were gay or bisexual men. So how do you explain these children? 41% had human immunodeficiency virus infection. That's HIV. Now, whether that's AIDS associated or not, that's that's the part of people can't get out of their head. It's something that happens, which is not even, doesn't AIDS even be part of the conversation. Human immunodeficiency virus infection. It's We're talking about something that is an immunodeficiency problem. The virus part of it does, but the idea that they have this, why isn't that a huge part of the conversation? Just a coincidence, I guess. Transmission was suspected to have occurred through sexual activity in 95% of persons with infection. Why? What do you mean suspected? Why is this the foregone conclusion? I'm only saying it like that because nobody's ever even made an attempt to explain. Even the people in this conversation are going, out. does it make sense? Why is it like that? 95% of persons presented with a rash. Interesting. 95% with a rash. Doesn't that sound like something that could be something else? And then it says lymphodenopathy. So the swelling of the lymph nodes was also common with 56%. Don't forget that the injections were about cause. Where was that? I forgot. I don't think I showed that. One of these. Uh, the lymph node swelling was one of the lead side effects of these injections they give for monkeypox. I swear I had it highlighted in here. I guess not. In any case, we've talked about it before. That's one of the lead side effects, which then suggests that you have monkeypox. And yet the injections they give them cause that. Perfect. No deaths were reported. You can read it for yourself. Now, Sergeant News Network points something out that I think is very important. And I find very ridiculous that they hide this behind maybe potentially sensitive because they don't want you to see it when it's just a woman talking. She has a rash. Yeah. But so, so it's okay to show, I mean, you get the point, guys. They, they'll hide politically sensitive stuff. And they'll absolutely show you horrific things all the time on this platform. But he points out, they didn't warn those with autoimmune diseases that vaccines can trigger, make them worse. Remember, we just showed you this, guys. They didn't tell them. 
just like the pregnant women. They didn't tell people that it's in the documentation. Now, this is about COVID-19 injections, but at the same point, same point with both of them. They don't know if it's safe, as we just showed you, for immunocompromised people. They don't know if it's safe. Same with monkeypox. They're not telling people that. They're letting them get it, telling them they should because it's safe and effective, and they're being hurt by it with COVID in the COVID-19 conversation. So let's play these, and you can listen to it yourself. This is actually hard to listen to because she gets really upset, and it's, I can't even imagine. Quote, I was just following doctor's orders and the government mandates. This is a woman who has a who already had a immuno issue, immunodeficiency issue. She had uh, eczema and different things that she kept in control her whole life. And after the injections, it exploded. That's what we played from you, from Dr. Cole and everybody else. That's what we're seeing everywhere. Just because you had it before doesn't mean that this didn't cause it to get exponentially worse. And it's never gone back to the way it was before. Let's take a watch. This is, this is some hard stuff. I think, let me make sure I got the first one. Huh. What? That's strange. I've never seen that happen before. That's very strange. Hold on. That is interesting. Did I download it? There, that was the video. I, could, I have it downloaded. I can play it right here. Am I, it's working on my back end. It just doesn't play. Set on- <laughs> of course not. Am I allowed to see the V word? What the hell is going on, guys? That is very, very interesting to me. That's incredible. God, that makes me frustrated. I can't, I don't understand stuff like that. Great. Okay, hold on. Let's see if I download it again and it still doesn't play. That'd be very telling. Now this, this is important to watch because of how, oh my God. (laughs) Guess what guys? Hold on. Let me make sure that's not. Oh, never mind. I take it back. I was going to tell you my account was suspended. Sorry for the distraction. It's not. It probably will be soon, though. I was. I opened the uh, incognito page, and it had me under my old account, and that's why. So let me get through this before I keep distracting you. So hold on one second. Download one more time. Better work. Am I? Let's see. Last try. Here we go. Come on. That is incredible. All right, screw it. I'm going to play it. I'm going to make it happen. We can pretend this because they don't want you to see it. Could be. On TikTok because I'm... You know what? I think it's loud enough on here. Let me know if it's loud enough in the chat. Am I allowed to say the V word on TikTok? Because I'm just about to, and we're just going to see how that goes. Vaccine. Let's talk about it. So in 2020, I had just won a fitness competition. I had maybe had a small patch of eczema on my hand, maybe my my inner arm here. And that was it. Never on my face. Never, ever, ever, ever. I had my eczema so well under control for 29 years that at that point, I was not actively working with a dermatologist. But let me tell you this. After every vaccine shot, and I had three, 
my eczema got worse. And I'm not saying that the vaccine triggered my TSW. I think it was a full, perfect storm. TSW, tip topical steroid withdrawal. That's what it is. Clusterfuck of things that happened to me. So as my skin got worse, I get told that I need to go see a dermatologist. So I go to the dermatologist and the dermatologist prescribes me stronger and stronger creams. He says, oh my God, you're worsening eczema. You need to go on Clycosport. You need to go on methotrexate. (sighs) These are drugs for people that are undergoing cancer treatments. And I was putting it in my body and just blindly doing what the doctors are telling me. Which is why even if the doctor has good intentions, you should think for yourself. Doesn't mean you should assume you know better, but ask other doctors. Look into this stuff for yourself. Research what these things are and then question why that makes sense. If any doctor at any point ever suggested I go on chemotherapy, I would go talk to another doctor. There is simply no justification for why unless you're about to die. Even then, it's, it is what kills people. I could go off on that forever. The only classification of drugs where doctors get a direct cut of the profit, 2% overall success rate. It is crazy. If a car company made a car that exploded 98% of the time, they wouldn't be in existence anymore. But you can all said and done include all the different versions of chemotherapy. And it's about a 2% success rate. Why would you do that? My point is you need to ask these things because that doctor has been taught his whole life that that's pr- that is the right thing. And then, of course, the money that he gets by prescribing it helps that along. My point here is that people need to start questioning this stuff. Because the doctor may have thought he was doing the right thing because that's what he was taught. Maybe it was the right thing. Either way, she should have, I mean, not that's not her fault. But, I mean, it is to a degree. The point is that this is stuff that you need to research, guys, because it's clear that there's a broken part of the whole system in regard to companies that make the drugs and the companies that advertise the drugs and companies that promote the drugs and the doctors that then take them and use them and the pharmacies. There's a thousand ways that politics influence that. Fast forward to January of 2022, I go in full-blown TSW withdrawals. I get, I was shaking cold. I couldn't regulate my heat. I was oozing metallic liquid out of my skin. I was gaining weight, even though I wasn't eating. I literally just enjoyed myself last night and had crispy cauliflower. And this is what happened to me. So man, if I, I can't even begin to tell you how upset I am. Did she literally say oozing metallic liquid out of my skin? What in the hell is that? That sounds a little bit interesting with what we're he- seeing around the world today, but that's in- but just again to clarify, topical steroid withdrawal, right? So basically, they're giving things that are causing this to happen and exacerbating the problem. Here's the next one. This this is pretty sad. Again, recognize media includes potentially sensitive content. How absurd is that? Twitter, you guys are ridiculous. I mean, childishly stomp like this is the like woke nonsensical ridiculous like you are hiding people's testimony of their own experiences because you guys are too childish to not to just you guys just about narrative control what you're censoring doctors dr mccold you censored my last account because i showed a doctor discussing period science like this is just this is just like those people in that room shout stomping their feet about people not wearing masks thinking that they're in the right that's what twitter is that's what youtube is these people are ridiculous and at some level, they know that, but it, it's, they're still allowed to think that they're winning because they have the control over the flow of information. So they just stomp on you and say, I won. You're dumb. I'm right. Even though at some level, they must see that they're losing in the narrative. 
doesn't care. They, they don't care. It's the sort of reason these failing media companies still exist. Do you think CNN and Fox News would even be there today if they weren't subsidized by the government? M. Holy set I am. Holy hell. <laughs> Do you know that I'm paying $1,164 on a medication called Dupixin? By the way, that's half off on a drug that I did not need prior to this, prior to the vaccines, prior to, prior to, prior to. Sorry, OMG. I'm just so freaking fucked up. <laughs> I don't want to be that person that fucking cries on this app, but God fucking damn it. Really? Like, I feel like my whole life's been stripped from me. This is so freaking painful. Ugh. Yeah, I'm that, I'm that person that cries on this app, but it's not about a boy. It's about my freaking life. Um, ugh. Anyone else? Anyone else notice this? Like I was literally just following doctor's orders, following the government mandates, and now this is my life. God. Do you even know how many people are living that right now? It doesn't have to be a rash on their face. But people that did what they were told because they thought it was the right thing or they were just helping their grandma. And if there's and and then they get called crazy and anti-vaxxer for living it. I mean, it just makes you sick. It's just sad. Makes you real sad. Someone in the chat says that Dr. Peter Hotez did research into giving people in the tropics preemptive chemo for parasites. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? But going over to COVID-19, a couple quick points I want to make that obviously overlap with everything we're talking about here. Emergency Room RN points out that last night they treated a seven-year-old little girl for multiple blood clots in her legs. Then we found more in her lungs. Now in PICU, surgery later today. We're very worried. Mom asked if it was because of the injections. I was very transparent with her. Reporting in Bayer's today, seven years old. Makes me sick. We've treated several kids, but only in the last seven months. This is everywhere, guys, and it's being ignored. Now, just to include it again, for those who didn't see it, severe adverse events of special interest following mRNA vaccination, random control trial, gold standard, June 23rd, 2022. So the trust the science crowd either aren't looking for science or are ignoring the science they tell you to trust. Pfizer and Moderna mRNA COVID-19 vaccines were associated with an increased risk of serious adverse event of special interest. That's death, hospitalization, permanent disability, and pregnancy loss. Combined with mRNA vaccines, combined the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer and and, and Moderna, were associated with an absolute, not relative, absolute risk increase of serious adverse event of special interest of 12.5 per 10,000. That is 6.25 per 5,000, which makes it 5.25 more than the German discussion. That is incredible. That's millions of people. The excess risk of serious adverse event of special interest surpassed the risk reduction for hospitalization of COVID-19. So they, every angle, it does not outweigh the benefits. Don't weigh out the outweigh the risks that's gone. This is dangerous. They're hurting people and will probably get censored again. Justin points out multiple emergency departments in Toronto are on the verge of collapse tonight. This was on the 23rd. There are no nurses. 
They are begging people with no nursing training to act as nurses. Care will be compromised, but they won't declare an official emergency, presumably to save face. You see how there's, this is the problem with where we are. This is a main, a corporate mainstream argument. So you want to declare an emergency, do you? Well, how about we acknowledge the fact that this is a self, this is something they created by firing people that wouldn't do what they were told, which is what we said at the time. Then they can point to what they created and say, we're breaking down. Here's why we need to reimagine everything because it's not working. Infrastructure's crumbling. Why? Because you didn't pay for it because you put money in the war. Everything that's happening right now is not a result of crumbling anything or breaking systems or outdated ideas. It's because they have created a problem that they want you to think they need to fix. That's what's happening. People in these hospitals aren't getting treatment because of what they forced people to do, because they fired genuine good people that didn't want to be forced to make their own medical choice or would wanted to make their own medical choices. They fired nurses and doctors and anybody else that didn't get forced to take injections. And now they're firing people in Australia for not being forced to take the fourth one. You know, it's almost like we predicted this would happen, right? So now all those dirty anti-vaxxers with only three shots are gross, right? All those dirty anti-vaxxers with three shots are all the ones killing everybody. So look how quickly that happened. Australia, do as you tell do as we tell you. Queensland police officers, 50 plus, being forced to take a fourth booster, or rather a fourth shot, or lose their jobs and pensions. It didn't set you free. It tied you to government control. Always. My God. We told you this was coming. Never have I wanted to be less right. These hospitals are falling apart because they did what they did. Now you've got somebody using that action to say we should declare an emergency. You see how that works? He may even believe that argument. It's not an emergency. All you need to do is allow people to make their own choices and let nurses work there that don't have to be forced to take an injection for something they don't need. Here's Australia. Forcing people to take shots they don't need for the fourth time. Queensland faces a severe third COVID wave. Seven News can reveal the police commissioner will mandate a fourth booster shot for officers aged over 50. The service is forging ahead with mandates while the state government moves... Oh, I'm sorry. I read that as 50 people over 50 years old, as you just heard. ...further away from them. Their mandate is to protect... And the commissioner says she's protecting officers with mandates. Sending out this direction, all members 50 years old and over must receive their fourth winter booster vaccination. It's in. Well, okay, am I wrong in that, guys? My God, if that is shot number six, am I wrong? Is that shot number six they're talking about? I mean, for crying out loud, am I that far? How is that even possible? Their fourth booster vaccination. That would mean six shots. That's certainly possible. We are, we've are we been talking about five in some places. I mean, my God. I mean, let's be real. Whether that's number four or number six, it is just as asinine and dangerous and unscientific. My God. ...received their fourth winter booster vaccination. It's in line with the Australian Technical Advisory Group's advice issued just a fortnight ago. But in Queensland, there are still no vaccine mandates for firefighters. Healthcare workers need two shots. Paramedics and anyone in aged care must have three. Only officers will need four to keep their jobs. No, so it's four. Right. So I, I'm. So this, isn't that hilarious then? So they're talking about four shots. They're talking about one, uh, two boosters, not four. But what's hilarious about that is this is the corporate media, right, spreading disinformation. 
It's not a booster. You don't get four boosters. It'd be your number two booster. A booster is the, uh, it's just so dumb that we have to be the ones correctly naming these things and talking about vaccines versus injections or, you know what I mean? Like it's just, it's, but we're the fake news and they're, we're spreading misinformation by breaking down peer reviewed science and correcting their nonsense, like approved versus authorized, right? Or what did, what did Biden just say the other day that I corrected him on that was ridiculous? Well, same thing, approved. He was wrong. He was lying. It was authorized. It wasn't approved, but nobody said anything. Corporate media doesn't care. Save their fourth officers will need four to keep their jobs. I think the time for some of those mandates is possibly behind us at the moment. It's a little bit more complicated than it was early on when it was very clear that there was a benefit from some of those rules. Queensland's booster rate. Oh, wait, wait, so what's changed? Very clear there was a benefit then. Yeah, okay, so what's different then? Are you, are, so are you literally then arguing without saying it that there's not a benefit to them now? Oops. It remains Australia's worst at 64.1%, even as our hospitals face record numbers of COVID patients above 1,000 today. Oh my God, record numbers! That's exactly what they did not in New Zealand, right? Where it's like record breaking, and it's only because they had such a low number of in, of, in the very beginning that they just went over that number and they call it record breaking. It's like, well, how, what, one more than before? <laughs> really? Record breaking? Why don't you give me some context and realize that that's in comparison to like literally anywhere else, it's completely nothing. It's the same thing they do today with everything else. Record-breaking heat in the blow. What was it, 95 degrees? Well, I'll get to that in a second. It's just, it's, it's just, it's silly. But it's because they, it, the number there was lower before and now it's record-breaking. But they want you to think that means danger when it most often doesn't. There were 9,000 new cases. Queensland recorded 10 deaths. And the peaks. Ten, 10 deaths, right? In that same exact time frame, you could find a hundred other things that killed more than that. Probably more than a hundred. But because COVID's all that matters, even as you as your actions for COVID kill more than 10 people, let's keep doing it though, because COVID, 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 COVID is safe and effective. Not here yet. It could easily still be three or four weeks away if we don't intervene. A week on from... Okay, that's enough. I'm just, it's just so damn frustrating, these people. But the Defender points out a great article, how CDC blatantly uses weekly reports to spread COVID disinformation. Three examples, which we've made endlessly on this show. They talk about the MMWR, the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Reports, which how long have we been telling you this, right? Where they omit specific parts of it and jumble it together in certain ways that makes it nearly impossible. Or at least it would take you way longer than is necessary when it would no longer be relevant to organize this stuff. <clears throat> and they put that out instead of giving you the breakdown like the UK or Scotland or other groups did before they hid it from you because it shows you what's actually happening. Their point is, here's examples of how they blatantly use those reports to misinform you. And you can prove it for yourself. Here it says, when the media surmises these reports, these M MMWR findings and articles intended for general public, they often omit or misrepresent important details. As a result... The, off, the reports often steer public opinion to a level of certainty the authors of the reports themselves can't justify and often to incorrect conclusions. Uh, PA, uh, uh, Johns Hopkins PH, or MD, Mar uh, Marty McCurry, and Tracy Beth, who we just, we just read this to you, recently revealed that numerous people from the FDA, the CDC, the, F, uh, the, the um, FDA, the CDC, and the NIH were all blowing the whistle coming out saying 
that the heads of these different agencies were coming out and saying, blowing the whistle, that they're using weak or flawed data to make critically important decisions. And they don't, they're afraid to put their names out there because they know they'll be attacked and fired. And such decisions are being driven by what's politically palatable to people in Washington or the current administration. In this article, I will demonstrate, he says, how the CDC used three key reports, the MMWR reports, to compel the public to comply with pandemic response measures. These reports were flawed to an extent suggesting more than just incompetence or even negligence, meaning that they deliberately did this to mislead people. The MMWRs, or at least that's what she thinks, address the effectiveness of mask mandates, vaccine safety during pregnancy, and the risk of COVID-19 in children. We, I don't even need to go further. Read the article if you'd like. We have gone over this extensively, repeatedly, for a long time now. Mask mandates? Good God, if you want any, any channel in the world that's going to make that clear to you, this has been the one. Vaccine safety during pregnancy? How many times have I made it clear that, that their own data says that? Right. That's my point is simply to say, you don't, this has all been here, even on the show or the risk of injections for children. But there's, they, this article is a great job breaking the data down. So if you want to read more, dive into it. It's good. It's great work. Next, another Defender article. Fauci, top Biden officials subpoenaed in lawsuit alleging they colluded with social media to suppress free speech. Now, a lot of times I, I wasn't almost going to talk about this because I, 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 I'm willing to bet that's going to ignore this like it doesn't exist, despite being legally bound to respond. Respond. That's what they do. They who's going to hold them accountable? <laughs> Themselves. They just don't respond and act like you're not there. That's what happens even with FOIA requests half the time. The point is that it's there and it's important. It's interesting. According to Schmidt, government officials both pressured and colluded with social media giants, Meta, Twitter, or you know Facebook, Meta, Twitter, YouTube, to censor free speech in the name of combating so-called disinformation and misinformation. Yeah, you've heard this before. We're an example of that, which led to the suppression and censorship of truthful information on several or all the topics we're talking about, including COVID-19. Quote, the court's decision cleared the way for Missouri and Louisiana to gather discovery, which is important, and documents from Biden administration officials, which I don't know why it wouldn't be Biden and Trump. There's your problem. There's your limited hangout, guys. Both administrations have been actively doing this on all sides of this. We were censored actively during Trump's administration. Why don't we see that? It can't just be Twitter's fault during that administration, but then be Biden's fault and Twitter's fault during his. I mean, come on, guys. Let's stop being swayed by this nonsensical child two-party paradigm. Anyway, the point is that they have discovery on them, which means they're going to be they should be introducing data and information about their communications and so on. Now, the point is they go on to basically say that they're requiring the White House press secretary, Corrine uh, Jean-Pierre, is required to identify every officer, official, employee, staff member, personnel, contractor, or any other person associated with the White House communications team who communicated or is communicating with any social media platform related to content modulation or misinformation and turn over those communications. My point is I doubt they'll ever do that. Defendant in this is one Nina Jankowitz, who was tasked with heading up, as you know, the Disinformation Governance Board. And she's supposed to give over all the communications and documentation related to what they were going to do. The CDC is required to provide names of officers, employees, officials, and staff members, personnel, contractors, or agents of the CDC, or any other federal government or agency who's communicated or is communicating with social media platforms regarding this stuff. Now, here's an interesting point. That is exactly what they just denied or not exactly, but in the sense of what CDC officials are working with the Bayer's data, right? How much you want to bet they do the same thing here? 
they're going to make the same argument. We can't reveal those officers because they'll be harassed and attacked by the anti-vaxxers. Mark my words. They are bound by, they are both in the first conversation as well as this one. They can't shield that information from you. Those are public officials working with the C, or rather the entire CDC outfit is a public, is a, it is a government in, uh, institution. Your taxes pay their salary. You, they, you are supposed to be able to understand who, even if that wasn't a sound argument. Don't you have a right to know who is not doing their job around the information that is clearly there? They said, no, we can't tell you. That's going to happen here too. Like Fauci, the CDC must also do the same thing. But they go into all of this, guys, and this is a big deal, so let's wait and see if it happens. But here's the actual tweet from Eric Schmidt. A federal court granted the request for discovery, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. Now, I'm going to, well, let's see. Where are we on the time? We're getting, we're pretty long. I want to try to wrap this up, but let me see. I think I was going to read this or not. So the Brownstone Institute put out a great article called The Articles of Inquiry, The Role of Media. And basically just breaks down the very real reality of how the media has played a role in suppressing content and sh- and shouting down information, hiding people's, uh, hiding peer-reviewed science and, and, and disregarding people's constitutional rights. It's a great outline. And it's, it's only a few paragraphs, but this is the real breakdown is this whole report right here, which you should read for yourself. Just want to include that for you guys, because the reality is, guys, that everybody sees what's going on. It's about us community-wise acknowledging that we see it and acknowledging they are not the majority. Step number one, acknowledging we have a problem. Then let's bring this to finish off on the heat wave and climate change nonsense. Ivor Cummins, Ivor Cummings points out something we've already played for you, in fact. And this is the CDC, or excuse me, CDC, <laughs> CNN employees discussing how they know their focus first was about removing Trump from office, even though that wasn't the stated purpose, which shows you that they have a stated, you know, intention, which is not what the news is supposed to be doing. It's not news. That's propaganda. That's political sides. You're choosing a side and you're deciding for everybody else what you think the right thing is and then influencing their decisions. That's not news. That's propaganda. The point being that they are expressing that as Trump focus, then admitting next that climate change is the next one. And we've been talking about this a lot, that we know this is going to be happening, or at the very least that they want to make it happen. And I think we're already seeing it happen. So just listen to him break down for you that that is what they're going to be doing. I find that to be very, very relevant. Story comes out, they're going to latch onto it. They've already announced in her office that once the public is will be open to it, we're going to start focusing mainly on climate, um, uh, climate like global warming, and like that's going to be our next like um, I don't know like what's the word? It's our it's going to be our focus. Like uh, like our, our focus was to get Trump out of office, right? Without saying it, that's what it was, right? So our next thing is going to be for climate change awareness. What does that look like? Now, for those of the podcast, Charlie Chester is who you're hearing. He's the CNN technical director, which you know it has to be fairly pointed out that this could be his opinion and not espoused by everybody at CNN. 
But the way he's discussing this and the way that we've already seen these things come out from CNN, it's very obvious that both CNN and Fox News and MSNBC or any of the rest of them all have their stated agendas. It's not hard to see. And we just need to stop ignoring it on one side and pointing it out on the other. It's corporate media from left to right to center. I don't know. I'm not sure. I I have a feeling it's just going to be like constantly showing videos of like decline and ice and weather warming up and like the effects it's having on the economy and and really talking about head of the network like just who's that is that Zucker Zucker yeah I imagine that which also should be pointed out remember the Zucker's gone now and the other guy stepped in and said we're gonna make this real news again (laughs) which basically says we weren't doing news before that's what he basically admitted that is now we're getting focused back on journalism that's exactly that was the perfectly quoting what he said. So if you say you're going to focus back on journalism, at the very least, it means you weren't focused on journalism as a journalistic outlet. (laughs) That is so ridiculous. But then he also points out they're going to make it no longer about left or right, you know, whatever. Whether he means it or not, still a good point to acknowledge that maybe it changed because Zucker's not there. I don't buy it. And I'll prove that to you next, I think. He's got his counsel and they've all like discussed like where they think... um... So that's like the next pandemic like story like that will yeah that will will beat to death but that one's got longevity you know what i mean it's not like there's a definitive ending to the pandemic or you know like it'll taper off to a point that it's you know not a problem anymore probably think it's going to take years so they'll probably be able to milk that for quite a bit you know so almost kind of sounds like he's got some disdain for it right but it's his job like and that's what these tend to feel like and that that's that what that makes sense you know someone that's there they're going to the motions not afraid to kind of you know talk down about it to their significant other or person on a date but they're still there still taking part in it so climate change overload be prepared it's coming <laughs> stories like right now um we had an inside track right now where two stories are going to be pushed. Climate change is going to be the next COVID thing to see. You know, we're going to we're going to hone in. I love it. But that's but that's a fair then you include a CNN graphics producer who's confirming the same thing. So that becomes really hard to dismiss, guys. But to commit to that as a network. You said it's going to be like the new COVID. Interesting. So that being stated, you clearly see that that is the next focus, at least what they assume will be the next focus. So let's bring this into what seems to be a totally unrelated story of heat waves caused by climate change, Right. More than 90 million in the U.S. will endure alarmingly high temperatures Sunday. So let's start in the United States. Just July 24th. Stressing that today, alarmingly high temperatures all over the place, right? That's because climate change. That's what that's the overarching point. The deadly, just look at the way that they frame this. The deadly heat waves scorching much of the United States. Now, just based on that first sentence alone, wouldn't you assume that it's higher than it's been ever, at the very least, in a really long time? Well, you'd be wrong if you assumed that. 
You should never assume anything ever today, especially when listening to corporate media. But I'll show you in a second. The deadly heat wave scorching the United States, or rather just how they frame it today, which is a pretty normal heat, heat situation for most places you're looking at. As hot as 105 degrees. Again, guys, that's really consistent for a lot of places I pointed out. And 105 degrees is hot. But I'm, let's just be clear about this, guys. That's not outside the norm. And I'm going to show you these examples in a minute. There's very, very common things, especially in the United States. Like even just taking the average temperature of the United States, it's like 0.2 degrees over average. It's not that dangerous, but that's not the best way to look at it because the average can be kind of weird and overset or over, or I forget if that was the world or the United States. But in any case, the point is the general average is not that much higher than it normally is. But what they're saying is suffocating temperatures as hot as 105 in one of the locations they're pointing at, not everywhere. And in the Mid-South regions, that's a very common temperature. Look it up. More than 90 million people across the country are under various heat alerts for dangerous high temperatures. Now, should that be alarming? Or is that because they're putting out elite alerts for places that are having pretty normal temperatures? Everyone everywhere is under alert. We're all going to die. Well, are we going to die? Or is that because you guys are putting alerts everywhere for things that aren't actually dangerous, right? It's a self-fulfilling problem. This is a manufacturing reality. It will feel extremely oppressive. That's an interesting way to put that, right? feels kind of overlapping with the things we're talking about today. Everything's political. Now, hear me on this again for the millionth time. There's obviously a heat wave, but there's always a heat wave around this time of the year. And yes, it is hot overly maybe high, like in the uk for instance they did indeed at least it seems break that record temperature but like point something of a, of a degree but it's not abnormal i mean in the sense it broke it by a little bit it's at, it's the highest it's been but comparison overall it's not anything like having a one degree increase is not something that suddenly causes heart attack across the planet but it says in new york city here's where we get into their argument ignoring all the rest of it they're talking about the united states right And here are the examples they give for the places that are dangerously high. In New York City, at least one person died from heat exposure Saturday, which, by the way, happens pretty much every year. But guess what they said? In the city, it was a 97 degrees. Hmm, 97. Well, that's not that hot. And at the very least, there's places all, especially New York City, that gets hotter than 97 degrees every single year. Oh, I've got these lined up next. We'll go to those in a second. But it's the point is, guys, that's not that hot. Anybody that lives in places like California or anywhere else, now New York or some places that maybe don't reach that hot, you could argue that acclimation plays a factor, and it does. But we're the human species here. And the point is that when you overlap these things, I'm not trying to say it's not hot, and it can't lead to people, elderly especially, having heat stroke when they go out. What I'm trying to show you is that 97 degrees is not justifiable for having a random and dramatic increase in heart attacks and heat strokes that are very clearly, in my opinion, tied to something else. On top of that, when you look at the UK and they're literally making articles that suggest that houses are burning down and grass is bursting into flames because of temperatures, that you can show places, other places in the world that have plenty of grass and houses with way hotter temperatures that aren't bursting into flames. So how do you explain that? Because it's not really what's happening. Even the articles break down. You read that it's, oh, the fires was caused by somebody who lit up, who had a campfire. It's like, well, why are you associating that with climate change? Because it's easy. Other heat-related deaths during this week's heat wave included a 66-year-old Dallas woman who had underlying health conditions. Okay. So it's funny how in COVID land, they, they, they or one side of it or the other, the point is whenever they want to, you ignore the health problems or include them. However you want to play that. 
and they do it contradictorily on different sides of this argument. In this case, someone who had health conditions who is 66 years old and a heat wave, no matter how abnormally hot or not abnormally hot, is at risk in the situation. We all know that. And Wednesday, a 22-year-old hiker, 22-year-old hiker, here's how you get the part of where they're including things that I damn sure are not associated with this, died due to possible dehydration and exposure after running out of water in South Dakota National Park. Now, could he have died of dehydration? Yes. Certainly possible. I don't know. But what I do know is that there is an easy overlap happening here that is very easy to scoop in people that aren't, like we've seen with people being told they've got heat stroke, which I'll prove to you next, like Marion Barber, who died in his own apartment in Texas. It was Marion Barber, right? Am I getting the wrong name? Tell me in the chat. I'm pretty sure that was the one. The guy that just died in his apartment in Texas, lives in Texas. And that day, it was not abnormally hot. It was like 87 degrees. And they literally say he died of heat stroke inside of his apartment as a football player or ex-football player. Why did anybody buy that? It's alarming. Cities, including Philadelphia, Boston, and Washington, D.C., are set to see heat in the upper 90s. Oh, no. That's ridiculous. Now, yes, humidity plays a factor. And if it goes above, it can make it feel hotter. But the point is, this is not abnormal, guys. It's easy to show. Extreme conditions, which experts note are becoming more common around the globe due to climate change. Where's the science on that? Did you prove that? Or is that just the easy stated argument? Because you know that your own people will not push back on that. Because that's the that this is the idea of saying the the easily acceptable thing and acting like you're being proud and virtuous and and you know brave. It's not brave to say the acceptable thing. The point is, experts note that becoming more common around the globe. That may be what they said, but the due to climate change, there's no science backing that. There's no provable example that this is happening right now because of what they say is happening over there. That's the argument that is easily broken down, and I'll prove that to you in a minute have led local officials to issue heat emergencies to allow for resources to aid in confronting the heat millions have been enduring. Ah, I see. So now we're declaring heat emergencies based on temperatures we've seen numerous times. That is your new normal of of emergency governance. To allow for resources to aid in confronting the heat millions have been enduring imploring people to practice extreme caution when spending time outdoors. Oh, great. So you got declaration of emergency, you've got lockdowns, you've, it's all working for them. Same thing. It's funny how every problem seems to flow in the same direction these days. What a coincidence. On Sunday, heat index values, what the air feels like, may exceed 100 degrees every year in many places. They're not even pointing out what places those are. They're probably pointing at places which almost always exceed 100 degrees. But the point is, neither of us know. Many places expected to hit the upper 90s and heat in, 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 in indices to, to eclipse 100 degrees. Same point. 100 degrees is not that outrageous. Now, I'll get through this quick, the same points over and over here. But the point is, metro areas under heat emergency Sunday as temperature, temperature soar. In Philadelphia, where the high is expected to be 99 degrees... Officers extended a heat health emergency. 99 degrees. I should, I forgot to do this one. Oops. Philadelphia. I'm probably misspelling it. Uh, let's do average temperature. Okay, so we're looking at 87, which does seem 
lower than before, comparably, right? So we're talking about, where were we? Philadelphia expected to exceed 99 degrees. Now, let's see. Uh, let's do, oh, that we should do average. That's right, because average does look lower in general. Philadelphia, high summer town. There you go. Oh, wait, this is the one for now. Let me get to the past here. Okay, so here it is. Philadelphia, highest temperature each year. That's what I was looking for. And that, that goes back to 2009. Hold on, where are the rest of the rows? Let's look at all of it. Where's the, oh, here we go. Okay, so let's go to, oh, 2021, 97. But look, you can see 103, 102. Do you get my point? You see what I'm saying? It's not abnormal. So what they're saying is 99 degrees is an emergency. Okay, so did Philadelphia declare an emergency? In July 7th, 2012, in July 22nd, 2011, in July 7th, 2010, in August 9th, 2001, in, on July 5th, 1999, July 15th, 1995, you get the point. No, they didn't is the answer. So why is there a heat emergency for something they've experienced 55 times in the past? It's a good question. Very hot weather can make people sick, even healthy adults. Ah, that's why. So now when we got people dropping dead from vaccine side effects and go, oh, well, hot weather. Just my thought. I'm not proving that. But obviously, you know my opinion. In Washington, D.C., where the mayor declared a heat emergency earlier this week. See, there's, there's emergency declarations everywhere for temperatures they've experienced many times before. D.C., Washington, expected to reach 100 degrees on Sunday. Okay. Let's look at Washington. High temperature. Wait, let's do uh, each year. There we are. Same thing. Okay. And same point. Right? Okay. Washington, D.C. may exceed 100 degrees. So we declared an emergency that will last through the week, allowing for availability of shelters and cooling centers to serve those who need them. Okay, did you need to declare an emergency to use shelters or cooling centers? No, you didn't. So that's a lie. You don't declare emergencies to establish things you already have. You declare emergencies to open emergency powers. How much you want to bet there's money flying all over the place that we're not being told about because of that? That may not even be tied into the big agenda. That may be this individual in Washington, D.C. taking advantage, Mayor Mural Bowser, or in this case, the classic usual suspect, Kathy Holchel in New York, doing the same thing. Take a look, guys. 100 degrees is an emergency. Well, was it an emergency in August 13, 2016? Was it an emergency in July 7, 2012? 105, 104, 2011, 102, 2010, 102, 2007, and on and on and on and on. Quite often, they have over 100 degrees. Why is it an emergency? Because they're lying to you. Kathy Hochul says, we need everyone to be on alert this weekend, keeping an eye out for any signs of heat-related illness. Heat-related illness? My God, this is so obvious to me. Excessive heat is the leading cause of weather-related deaths in the United States. That's very deceptive. The leading cause of weather-related deaths is a way to, it's, you're talking, you'll see them compare it to like deaths caused by hurricane. And so heat death is highest cause of compared to things that don't usually kill that many people. But it says in the U.S., excessive heat is the leading cause of weather-related deaths and the conditions that climate change imposes which again, they're just dumping in their political point. It doesn't, it's not backed up by anything other than their, their opinion of this. Imposes have been making extreme weather events more deadly and more common. The point is, are they saying this year? Well, no. 
They're simply saying excessive heat is the leading cause of weather death in general, but not making that clear. So it sounds like we're in an unprecedented situation that we're very clearly not in. This is the kind of nonsense, garbage, political journalism that CDC and Fox News and everybody else put out, where they omit points or they, they're opaque about things, so you misinterpret what they're trying to put out. They're not about informing you guys. In Arizona's Maricopa County, there have been 29 confirmed heat-related deaths since March. Last year, there were 16 during the same period. New York City sees an average of 10 heat stress deaths every year. Well, let's look at those places. Remember, New York, she declared emergency. Count Hochel said emergency. Well, Maricopa County, 29 since March, but last year was 16. So the argument would be that it's exponentially hotter this year, and that's why they've had so many more, quote-unquote, heat-related deaths, right? Oh, let me get to this one. No, come on. Where did I do that? Was this one, this is London? I swear, did I not grab that? I swear, I forgot. I guess I forgot. Son of a gun. Okay, so where were we? Arizona. I know I looked that up. I must have lost that somewhere. Well, let's do it right now. Arizona. And that's Phoenix for the most part. Let's do that. Uh, high temp. Same breakdown. Here we go. Look at that. Look at that temperature. My God. Okay. So here's the interesting part about this. Oh, you know what I did have too is I wanted to do the breakdown. Uh, you know what? I'll skip past it just because I, I'm going to show you in London, which is the same point, but it's the same thing everywhere, guys. I mean, I think, I think we can see that by now. Here is what they're saying, that this year has been worse than ever, right? Well, just look at the breakdown of the last years. They did not have this. Where were we? Right here. 118 was the high last year. Let's do, let me just do this real quick since I didn't grab that one. Let's do Phoenix there in high temp. Okay. Trying to find the one from this year. 1990. Holy crap. Look at this. Mercury shot up to 122 degrees in Phoenix on in 1990. <laughs> they didn't declare an emergency then. At least not as I can understand it. Well, anyway, here's the breakdown of temperature right now. Right? So they're telling you right now, since March, there's been all these deaths. But here's what we're talking about. 99, 100, 97, 97. But you go back and you can see 118, 115, 116. This is all July, August. It's the same time frame. That's the same month we're looking at here, guys. Why are, I mean, how are they getting away with such blatant misrepresentation? Maybe they're not. That's my point. Maybe everybody sees this and we just haven't acknowledged to each other that we all see it. And they're just pretending that we don't until we stand up and show them the world that we don't agree. Same point in New York and everywhere else, guys. They are lying to you about all of it. Here's Peter Etchins pointing out how very interesting that James Melville pointed this out. We just showed you something similar. This is a breakdown between different years. Same thing, guys. Not, you know, not a huge, we, we, we made this point last week, but the point is the same that you're going to see this pretty much everywhere, that it's about giving the impression that we're in a dangerous situation. Look at the numbers up top for those in the podcast. Generally, 33, 34, 32, 35, 36, 37. That's the temperatures, right? In Celsius. Now, same woman today, 2022. Look at the temperatures. 28, 27, 24. The highest one is 32. 
32 is one of the lower ones on this top map. It's all green. The one today, literally all red. Why is it different? Because they know that the agenda is to hype you about how dangerous this is, even though it's dramatically less than what it was before. Shocking. And here's another one. This German one is possibly dubious because they're too, oh, this one up top, but the BBC one at the bottom has moved to heat maps, which are designed to alarm. Same point. Look, same point in regard to the temperatures. Look, these are lower temperatures than what you're seeing up here. And yet there's no heat map. There's a reason they're doing this. It's propaganda. Here's one of the most obvious ones that blows my mind. Cancel barbecues, says London Fire Brigade, as capital sees multiple weather-related blazes. Weather-related blazes. Now, here's my point. This is either being taken out of context or they're just blatantly misquoting what the fire brigade is saying, or this fire brigade or uh, the third possibility is that they only spoke to somebody way at the top and they're representing that as the whole fire brigade or the fire brigade is blatantly lying to you. You'll see my point. Firefighters are tackling multiple weather-related blazes across London and have appealed to people to cancel everything lockdown to prevent further outbreaks. (laughs) Like they can't even get the rhetoric out of their minds. Stop the barbecues to prevent further fire outbreaks because climate change. That's a little interesting. We'll just call them all outbreaks, right? London Fire Brigade said the fire service said it had dealt with more incidents on Sunday. There's your day than it normally would in a 24 hour period. Well, how hot was it? You think must've been over a hundred. Oops. 84 degree high on the day we're talking about. The day in question, 84 degrees. That's the day, guys. That's that's Sunday. That's today. 84 degrees. Day after, arguably 75. Day before, well, 78. High. The high of 78. Now, just to be clear, this whole heat wave argument consisted of two days. Everywhere you're looking right now, there was two days that were hotter for the most part than anywhere else. That was what you're looking at right there. 94, 99. That's London. A high of 94.99. The bottom line is, are you really going to pretend that 84 degrees on a half partially cloudy day is enough to cause fires more than ever? I mean, anybody? I just don't buy this for a second. I don't care what argument you throw out there. Not that there's, let's just say there's fires. I'm not saying there's not fires. That would mean that people are setting them, but it's very clear that there are not 84 degree related weather fires. So that's again, either them being misquoted misrepresented, or they're using somebody who runs this and quoting them because they're part of the agenda. I just, there's no other way to misunderstand this. Temperatures across the Southeast of England reached 29 degrees Celsius on Sunday, according to the Met office. Now, what is that translation? Let's do Celsius to, let's see, 84. (laughs) That's exactly what it said. You guys know, you live in London, is 29 is twenty nine degrees Celsius dangerous? It's not. This is asinine. Images of blackened ground were tweeted by the fire service after an infield grass fire at Ramsey Marsh over an area of 20 hectares was brought under control. And that's because of 84 degree weather at the high? And it was partially cloudy. You can't even argue with me for crying out loud. It's not a heat wave climate change point. But they're Happy to argue that. The UK has been experiencing a heat wave with record-breaking high of 40 degrees. Yeah, last week for a momentary issue, and even that wasn't that far outside the norm. It's just insulting to our intelligence. They're even trying to push this, guys. Here's weather in London. 
Oh, for the week, I mean, I had this Oprah breakdown. This is what it is right now. 83 degrees. Tomorrow, 75. After that, 73. Next one, 73. Fahrenheit. Yeah, but we're in a dangerous heat wave. We're having an emergency until the end of the week because of 80 to 70 degree weather, right? Be scared. But you know what's not going to stop? Quoting all of the heart attacks and heat strokes. They call heat stroke, but it's really a blood clot or something else, as climate change, as heat wave, because there are people that still buy it, even though they look outside and see that it's 80 degrees. They just go, oh, government said, it's dangerous. Put your mask on. And just want to reiterate this point. This is already the, this is what we heard from San Francisco in the beginning. June 20th, fans suffer medical emergencies. And my point was the same thing. I don't believe that the San Francisco Fire Department actually said this. Or there's one person in charge of it that stated this because they agree with the agenda. I just don't buy it. Because my point, again, if you didn't see this, was medical situations included suffering heart attacks, heat strokes, trauma, falling down. And they quote the fire department. They don't quote them. That's what's suspect to me. The injuries were mainly related to heat and and dehydration, says the fire department, says this article. But here's the point. Temperatures in San Francisco climbed to as high as 75 degrees Fahrenheit. It's just, it should make you laugh out loud. Where are all the people in San Francisco? You guys should call this. You, you should call your fire department and say, did you actually say this? Are you guys that stupid? I don't believe they actually said it. High temperatures along the coast will be at least 70 degrees until Friday. 70 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, this I laughed at them, and now we're finding ourselves in the midst of a heat wave psyop. I mean, it's baffling. And here's the overlap, guys. How to recognize the signs for and stop heat stroke, heat rash, and more. This is our, This is KRC, KCRA3, of course, CNN, talking about generally in the, well, the United States for the most part, but these are all areas where it is not even remotely hot enough for this to happen in general or that much over the norm for it to be that crazy for people that live there. But here's the interesting part about this. Heat-related sickness. Heat-related sickness is the way they look at this. That's very telling. Is top of mind today for many people around the world. Not used to coping with extreme heat. That's not what's happening. It's just not. Here are the key signs of heat stroke and other heat illness and how to respond. Guess what it looks like, guys? Well, what they're calling heat sickness often appears as reddish clusters of pimples or small blisters. That could either be COVID-19. I mean, just hypothetically speaking, that could be vaccine-induced side effect. That could be mask-induced rash. That could be monkeypox. I mean, that could be anything, or rather than what they want to look like monkeypox. You see my point? So I believe you really want my honest opinion. That's why you're here. I believe that literally all of this is being caused by the injections. And this is a massive overlap to make it look like whatever else they can blame it on. I can't, I'm not saying I prove that right now. I would never make that case because I can't prove that. But that's my hypothesis based on all the data. The mild, by the way, that doesn't mean that there's not something called monkeypox for circling around. I just, I don't, I haven't seen that truly proven yet. It doesn't mean there's not something else happening, but it just means that this is being used as an overlap to make sure that the breadth of it doesn't get shown to be what they clearly are doing to people. The mildest form, uh, malaria, it's not malaria, it's spelled M-I-L-I-A-R-I-A, malaria crystallia, crystallia, crystallina, excuse me, shows up as a tiny, clear, fluid-filled bumps and break easily. What, from heat rash? Uh, whoever, who out there has gotten too hot and broken out with fluid-filled bumps on the skin? That sounds like like third, fourth-degree burns. 
A rash called prickly heat occurs deeply in the skin and causes small inflamed blister-like bumps or itching or prickling in the area. I, that's just, I, who else ever had that? Anybody. I lived in California where there's 116 degree temperatures on the regular. I've never heard of that. That's according to the Mayo Clinic. Oh, by the way, they can also fill with pus. Sure sounds like heat stuff. Here's the least common form, itchy pimples that look like goosebumps. <laughs> really? I mean, come on, guys. I mean, yeah, th th that's. I'm not saying that the heat stroke can't cause that. But what I'm saying is that seems like a really self-serving argument to make at a time when it's not very, it's very clearly not what they're saying it is. As Sophie points out, has anyone caught long heat wave yet? It's worth a laugh. Well done. I mean, it's just, it's stupid because that's the kind of thing they're hyping on things they still haven't proven. And despite the fact that peer-reviewed science has found that long COVID is a psychosomatic problem. But no, let's keep pretending it's there so we can jab children with something they don't need. But how much you want to bet we're going to have some kind of a long, you know, an after effect of the heat wave. Oh, it was so hard. I have psychological problems from the heat, the heat wave climate change. I mean, I, I literally would not be surprised if we saw that in a week, in a year, because that's how crazy this stuff has got. Now, the climate change argument here is obviously where this is rooted for them. So I want to point a few things out for you before we wrap up. Rich People Weekly pointed out another great point. Just a reminder. Oh, first of all, here's what he said down here, that climate change is a clear and present danger to the United States and that he will be taking executive action. We already talked about this. That's, you know, he kicked it down the road again. There's no reason he wouldn't do it right there. It's because he knows people are pushing back on this, but still, still probably going to happen. An emergency added to the list of um, th this is ruling by emergency governance. Trump started it, by the way. Well, technically, Obama and Bush started really with the executive orders and everything else, but he's calling it a clear and present danger. Now, Rich People Weekly points up a very important thing out. Just a reminder, clear and present danger is a term used to limit freedom of speech. Don't dare blaspheme the science, in quotes, or you'll be treated accordingly. Here's the point. It says the clear and present danger test originated in Schenck versus the United States, a court case. The test says that the printed or spoken word, so, you know, videos or articles, may not be the subject of previous restraint or subsequent punishment, so censorship or attacks, unless its expression creates a clear and present danger. Well, look at that. Of bringing about a substantial evil. The test requires... The test requires, as it says... Hold on. Got it. <laughs> this says that the clear and present danger test features two independent conditions. First, the speech must impose a threat that is substantive evil might follow. And second, the threat is real eminent threat. The court had to identify and quantify both the nature of the threatened evil and the eminence of the perceived danger. So what he's arguing now is that that is that. Therefore, we have the ability to take action and basically censor anybody that says otherwise, you would argue, or at least that's on the table. So I want to play a clip from Tony Heller before we get out of here, that I think is really important to understand in regard to climate change. Now, I've, I've reached out to him. He does, in my opinion, some of the best work out there in regard to the climate change manipulation. Let's see. I'm almost certain that I had it. Hold on. Forget Roe v. Wade. The Oops. real issue... That's something from Carrie Weather. By the way, I'm going to be interviewing Carrie tomorrow, 
we, we uh, set that up a couple of we- a while ago, and then we ended up getting a couple back and forth things that managed to push it off. I, you know, it's so fr- frustrating. It's so frustrating. I, I swear I had this downloaded. Hold on. Let me play something really quick, and I'm going to find this really quick so I can play this for you. Tonight, keeping drug companies honest, a story that's simply stunning about multi-million dollar profits and illegal activity at this country's biggest drug company. The Justice Department alleges Johnson & Johnson boosted sales by paying millions of dollars in kickbacks to pharmacists and doctors who pushed the drug Risperdal to patients who did not need it. The medical editors of that journal accused the drug company Merck of misleading them about the dangers of Vioxx, of hiding the fact that it caused even more heart attacks than previously known. Johnson & Johnson paid $2.2 billion. Eli Lilly paid $1.4 billion. Pfizer and its subsidiary paid $2.3 billion. I always like using that clip as a little filler. <laughs> it's, it's amazing how we know they're criminals, but yet today we're not allowed to point it out. Okay, now watch this. This is really important to see. It's only a couple minutes long. But it's important to see because Tony Heller really does a knock out of the park job of breaking down how ridiculous it is, just in a broad sense around the climate change argument. But this is focused in part on the heat wave argument. Hello, this is Tony Heller from RealClimateScience.com. Benjamin Disraeli said there are three types of lies, lies, damn lies and statistics. But he never had the pleasure of watching CNN. London has been having a very pleasant month, but they did have two hot days on the 18th and the 19th. And this is how CNN reported on those two hot days in an otherwise lovely month. Extreme heat is baking a country woefully unprepared for the climate crisis. What brought the heat to England during those two days was hot air streaming up from the Sahara Desert. And a little bit of that warm air made it to Greenland as well. This is how CNN hysterically reported on it. The amount of Greenland ice that melted last weekend could cover West Virginia in a foot of water. The amount of ice that melted in Greenland between July 15 and 17 alone, 6 billion tons of water per day, would be enough to fill 7.2 million Olympic-sized swimming pools. The northern melt this past week is not normal, said Ted Scambos, a senior research scientist at the National Snow and Ice Data Center. Now let's look at the actual data to see what's going on. This graph shows the daily surface mass balance of Greenland since the beginning of September last year. The surface mass balance is the difference between the amount of snowfall received and the amount of melt off the surface. Every day this summer, except for two, the surface mass balance has been above average. This means that Greenland has been melting more slowly than normal every day except for two this summer. On average, Greenland's surface gains about 370 billion tons of snow and ice every year. Typically, about 570 billion tons of snow falls during the winter. And then about 150 billion tons melts during the summer. For four of the last six years, including this year, the surface mass balance has been above average. CNN wants their audience to believe that Greenland is melting down, when in fact the exact opposite is occurring. This graph shows the percent of Greenland which experienced some melt on each day of the summer. Most of the summer it's been very close to average, but there have been a few days up at the high end. This is what Ted Scambo said was not normal, but as you can see it's very close to the gray area, which is the normal range. 
Just like the short-lived heat wave in England, these few days of warm weather in Greenland have nothing to do with climate. It was a specific weather event. Temperatures in the center of the Greenland ice sheet have been well below the freezing mark for this entire summer. And the temperature forecast for Greenland through the first week of August is quite cold. CNN is doing everything they can to misinform the readers and create the wrong impression. They want the readers to believe that Greenland is melting down and it's caused by the burning of fossil fuels. But the reality is that the surface mass balance of Greenland this year is far above average and it has been for four of the last six years. CNN is determined to demonize low-cost reliable energy in the United States. They're one large piece of a massive fraud being perpetrated on the American people. Toto has been pulling back the curtain on this cabal for the past 14 years. You can visit him, Kyrie, Caesar, Toki, and Upla on the web at realclimatescience.com. He's been doing outstanding work on this. I mean, you know, oh, facts. <laughs> Don't let the facts get in the way of your narrative, CNN and whoever else pushes this. You know, it's, it's easy. To, and he cites all the information. It's not hard to see. Like, doesn't it matter whether it's inconsistent with the past or relevant? That's the same thing with the heat wave. It's not out of normal. So yet they, they just lie to you and call it something else. Now, only a few things I want to point out to finish up here. Here's the Ireland, again, from Bernie's tweets. Great job. Ireland, the climate minister, which, by the way, why is there even a climate minister? That's ridiculous. If he could have his way, would like to have a one world dictatorship. And yes, Eamon Ryan is a member of the World Economic Forum. Now, see, the reason I, I these were, as I'm looking for right now, a little bit difficult to find is because I, I pulled these the other day when I was setting this up for two days ago. So it got a little bit buried under other stuff, which, of course, now it seems I can't find again. <laughs> I should just assume I don't have it these days and just download it right away. Okay, before we, let me see if it's loud enough here. No, we need. Nope. No, we need. Real quick, this is an important one, because it's actually what he says. So when these people come out, this is the kind of idea when they come out, when they say that they want a dictatorship or that they, this is what they want to roll this in or however they frame it, you need to listen to them. They often tell you what they actually want and think if you just pay attention. And this is one of those examples. And this is, again, Eamon Ryan, member of the World Economic Forum, climate minister. No, we need radical reductions. We need 10% per annum, she's talking for now. So I, if I had my way, if there was a one-world dictatorship where we could make that level of ambition and deliver it, then I'd be very happy. Right. So he'd be happy if it was a one world dictatorship that could force you to do what they've decided is right. Exactly. Like literally exactly what we keep talking about. But fake news, though, even as he works with member of the World Economic Forum, says it right out of his mouth. But fake news, though, when you hear it on anywhere other than anywhere, really, today. And, of course, Peter Hitchin points out something that calls into question the entire logic of their argument, what the BBC used to believe about climate change. And they were just as certain then as they are now. Here's the Radio Times. The ice age cometh. Now, of course, they've already kind of flipped this around and argued, well, of course, because the ice, well, then, then the heat comes. It's irrational. 
You can't be both an ice age and a heat wave or the argument that the heat wave will then melt everything, which will then cause an ice age. I guess there's no statistical or consistency, statistical proof or consistency with this. And the breakdown, you listen to Tony Heller and different people will show you that all the way back as far as you want to look. It's true. The weather's getting worse. It's a mile thick and it's covered Britain 20 times in the past, in the earth's recent past. It's due again, back feature, the weather machine. They're talking about an ice age. So how exactly does a incredible heat wave and in, in global warming and have the effect of a ice age? The point is they've changed their opinion. And his point, they were just as certain then as they are now. Of course, this person stupidly steps in and goes, so the science must be wrong because the magazine front page was wrong 50 years ago. Um, Ryan, I don't think he anywhere said that. So what you're doing is stupidly assuming what you think he means and then putting that on him as if that's called a straw man. I thought you were supposed to be the clever one. All he said was that's what they used to think and they were certain then. Did he even argue that that challenges today's argument? It's just logic, man. But the problem is these people are, it just shows you the kind of research that they do. Broad assumption in the direction of what you want to think. That's the kind of stuff the two-party illusion represents. Now, Bernie Sweets again points out, planning to keep Britain in a state of emergency. Climate and economy. Imagine the legislation they could drum up on these two uh, for your own safety naturally. As it says the Times, Britain facing national emergency. Why? A leadership hopeful wanes of crisis in the economy, NHS, and over illegal migration. So just anything everywhere. We're in an emergency. This is your new normal of emergency governance, guys. Everything's an emergency for your interest all the time. Lockdowns, everything else they want to accomplish. And I'll leave you with this like I was going to yesterday or day before yesterday, even though I played it at the beginning, because it's so relevant to where we are right now. James Melville points out, Farmer Joel... Salatin once wrote, quote, history will vindicate Alan Savory in there as one of the greatest ecologists of all time. And he's right. And here's why. PhD. Before I play it, though, this is a great quote. You may remember it. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final and most essential command. Doesn't that seem relevant to where we are now as you literally see the information and yet they tell you to ignore the evidence that you're seeing because you're too dumb to understand? The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It's their final and most essential command, 1984. Well, let's. I'll leave you with this clip because it is very relevant to where we are. I love you all. Thank you for being here today. Sticking through the end. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. People talk glibly about science. What is science? people coming out of a university with a master's degree or a PhD, you take them into the field and they, they literally don't believe anything unless there's a peer-reviewed paper. It's the only thing they accept. And you say to them, but let's observe, let's think, let's discuss. They don't do it. It's just, is it in a peer-reviewed paper or not? <laughs> That's their view of science. I think it's pathetic gone into universities as bright young people they come out of them brain dead not even knowing what science means they think it means peer-reviewed papers etc no that's academia and if a paper is peer-reviewed it means everybody thought the same therefore they approved it an unintended consequence is that when new knowledge emerges new scientific insights they can never, ever be peer-reviewed. 
So we're blocking all new advances in science that are big advances. If you look at the breakthroughs in science, almost always they don't come from the center of that profession. They come from the fringe. The finest candle makers in the world couldn't even think of electric lights. They don't come from within. They often come from outside the brakes. We're going to kill ourselves because of stupidity.